Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us in the Mountain State Council of the Blind Convention. Thank those who join on Zoom, as well as all those listening on ACB Radio. And I want to thank our streamer, David, this afternoon, and our Zoom host, Katie Frederick. Uh, so this afternoon, we have quite a program. I'm just going to go over it real quickly, and then we're going to give a couple of door prizes, and then we're going to start because our first speaker in the afternoon is here. So we're going to start um, when we start the speakers. It, I'm not sure that this was a, a favorite title that our speaker would have chosen, but anyway, we chose Ramen Noodles and Beyond. Uh, Monica Andis is a nutritionist from Morgantown, West Virginia, and we chose that topic because, you know, with covid you couldn't, especially at first, you just couldn't go out to eat. And sometimes we as blind people, you know, just want something sort of safe and easy to prepare in ramen noodles. It's not necessarily best for you, but it, it, it is convenient. But anyway, so that's that's what we call that. Um, our next speaker then will be Steve Voigt from Pilot Dog in Columbus, Ohio. And he's going to talk about canine care. Uh, so not only are we worried about our, our own health, but our animals as, as well, especially those guide dogs who are so important to us. Then we have, um, and I titled this Blast Off in Colwood, which is a, a town in West Virginia, Touchdown in Huntsville, which is in Alabama, and Homer Hickam is, is going to speak to us. He's a renowned author, and, and there's a movie about one of his books. Uh, then we'll do a couple of more door prizes, and then we're going to move around, or as such as you can, with headphones on and that are tied to the computer. It's a little hard, but Leslie Spoon from Orlando, Florida, uh, is going to talk to us about just keep on moving, um, and we'll hear more about Leslie in a little bit. And then um, we're going to have updates from Vanda Pharmaceuticals from Maggie Felton, and they are the ones that... Um, are really involved in the non 24 hour sleep disorder uh, for, um, you know, blind and visually impaired. Um, then we have um, accessible prescription labels and more from uh, Envision America. Jenna Reed is going to speak with us. And then we have, you know, we need to care for our canes as well. And so we called it Tips for Your Sticks. Um, Matt Stewart or Matthew Stewart, he's an O&M instructor or therapist, excuse me, at the West Virginia School for the Blind. And he's going to talk to us about, you know, how to choose the right cane and, and maybe the right tip and, and that kind of thing. And then we're going to end this session with kind of what's, you know, what has Mountain State Council been up to since we last met? Um, just kind of a year in review for MSCB. So that's our afternoon. And let us do a couple of door prizes, Siri. I am here. Okay. So. Siri, pick a number between 1 and 73. Random number between 1 and 73 is 57. Number 57. 57. Five, seven. Okay. So number 57 is Catherine Johnson who is uh, one of the people actually who I helped register from Fort Collins, Colorado. And Kathy is going to win a $25 Amazon gift card donated by one of our board members, Musi Allred. Let's do one more, Glenn. Okay. Pick a number between one and 73. 
A random number between 1 and 73 is 2. Number two. two. Okay, I know who that Zero is. Zero two. Yeah, yeah, that is Cindy LeBon from Gaithersburg, Maryland, and I know she's been in and out in the in the um, participants. Uh, so Cindy is going to win a fifteen dollar Burger King gift card donated by my mom, Millie Brown. Okay. So now I'm going to get ready to introduce our next speaker, and I'm really looking forward to this. Monica Andis. Um, she is a registered dietitian and has been, wow, for the past 22 years. And Monica comes from Morgantown, West Virginia. So, Monica, you are on. So, first, can you hear me? <clears throat> Am I talking loud enough? It- Yes. Okay. If if I cut out, I'm um, I'm in a good room in my house, <laughs> so I shouldn't cut out. But if something were to happen, please just let me know. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, as uh, Donna mentioned, someone else named this presentation for me. I'm very grateful because they had far more imagination than I did. <clears throat> I I just called it healthy eating, and you know there you there you are. Um, by the way, ramen noodles do have some vitamins and minerals in them. Oh, that's and, good to know. Uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> but uh, they're a wonderful illustration of my first slide, which, oh, well, <clears throat> my first um, talking point, which is the basic principles of good nutrition. And the basic principles are very simple. You should have a balance, a variety, and moderation in your diet. And so, uh, can you eat ramen noodles some of the time? Yeah, but they shouldn't be your go-to food on a regular basis because they're taking the place of other foods that would have more nutrients. So that's the issue with them, that's all. So these three uh, principles, balance, variety, and moderation, um, underlie everything else I'm gonna say or anything else anybody, whoever talks about healthy eating is gonna tell you. And because this is such a broad topic um, and we have limited time, I wanted to talk to you for about 20 minutes and then open it up to questions. And if you guys don't have questions, then you get a 10-minute break. So there's that. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I've mentioned the balance, the variety, and moderation. And with that in mind, what in general should you eat? In general, we're going to go through general guidelines, then get a little more specific and a little more specific. Um, sort of that, that'll be sort of my flow, I think. So, in general, you want to eat foods that are as close to natural as possible or minimally processed. Minimally processed foods includes preserved foods. So, frozen foods, dried foods, and canned foods are perfectly fine. <clears throat> Um, 50% or more of the grains you eat in anything that's made of a grain, such as breads, cereal, and pasta, 50% or more should be whole grain. That doesn't mean 100%, okay? Just 50% or more. I know you know this next one. Everybody's supposed to eat plenty of fruits and vegetables. I'm going to have some more comments about vegetables in a little bit. 
And I'm going to spend a little time on each of these next three last guidelines, which is to eat a variety of protein foods, to drink healthy beverages, and to include dairy products or substitutes in your diet. So let's go to the variety of protein foods first, because everybody knows that meats and fish are protein, but I find that many people do not know what all the protein foods are. So in addition to meat and fish, you also have eggs, which are a very high quality protein, and three dairy products or substitutes, similar things. Milk, very high protein food, cheese, and yogurt. All of these have protein. Now, there are two other groups of protein foods that we don't eat enough of in America. Okay. The ones we've, I've just mentioned, the meat, the fish, the eggs, and the dairy products, those are all from animals. And the groups that we don't eat enough of as a country are the plant-based foods that are, all, that are high in protein. One group is nuts and seeds, and the other group are soup beans and legumes. And I want to spend just a moment on these. So I know you all know what soup beans are, and I'm calling them soup beans as opposed to green beans, because green beans are not high in protein, but soup beans are. Legumes is a word that we don't use in everyday language. And so an easy way to remember what's in legumes is the word pea. And I don't mean the kind in the bathroom. I mean P-E-A, green peas. So if it's a pea, a P-E-A, pea, it's a legume. Whether it's a green pea, split pea, black-eyed pea, and here's a pun for you, or peanut, all of those are legumes. There's one more, and that's lentils. And that doesn't fit my little acronym with the peas. But lentils and legumes start with an L, so that might be a way you could remember. So in America, we eat too much meat, and in general, people eat too much red meat. And the idea that we nutritionists try to get across is that we should eat more of the plant proteins and use the animal proteins to complement them, rather than the other way around, where you eat mostly meat and you maybe have a little side of beans you should have mostly beans and have a, sl a smaller side dish of animal protein. And that, if you combine your protein foods, is a great way to get a variety of protein foods. Okay, the other guideline was healthy beverages. And I just want to go through this very briefly. Healthy beverages include water, milk. For most of us adults, that would be low-fat milk. Natural juices are fine. Some people may want to dilute them to reduce the sugar. That's fine. And the next four, you want to drink in moderation. Tea, coffee, beer, and wine. They're all fine in moderation. The bad news is everybody suggests you avoid soft drinks, whether they are the ones that are full sugar or even artificially sweetened. They're not healthy for us. If you're a person who craves soft drinks and you're willing to be experimental and brave, get yourself some carbonated water and fruit juice and make your own. 
The last thing I wanted to mention uh, in just a slightly more detail was I mentioned that dairy products are a good thing to include in your diet, and that's because most people in the country don't get enough calcium or vitamin D, which we do get. We get calcium from dairy products, and vitamin D, it's variable. Milk is always fortified with vitamin D. Not every other dairy product is. But I don't have time in this 20 minutes to really get into this, but it's a very important point. And so I've given you two handouts. And, um, e and I know that Donna has either sent them to you or will send them to you after the presentation. And, and one of them is on vitamin D. Please do read it. It will improve your health. Okay, so let me recap what I've said so far. We've got the principles of balance, variety, and moderation which we want to exercise in everything we eat. You want to eat minimally processed foods. 50% of your grains should be whole grains. You should eat lots of fruits and vegetables. You should eat a variety of protein foods, and I hope you have a better picture of what that is now. You should drink healthy beverages, and you should include dairy products or substitutes in your diet. For some of you, any of you who are good cooks and really have a healthy diet, this is just a checklist for you to see if you're doing okay. For everybody else, this might be too general. It's, it's a great idea, maybe you'll try for this, but how does that translate into what you should eat every day? So that brings me to the four food groups. And, um, and these are pretty basic, and depending on how old you are, uh, if you're my age, and I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but if you're my age, you grew up with these. Um, and they've made a comeback because after all the food guide pyramids that we had for a while, I think everybody got confused in the public. So food groups are a great way to think about having enough balance in your diet. Are you eating something from all the food groups every day? The first food group is protein foods, and we've already discussed them. The second group are grains, and again, bread, cereals, and pastas, anything that's made of a grain. The third group are vegetables, and the fourth group are fruits. So by the end of every day, you should have eaten something from all of these groups. Now, I will get a little more specific, so bear with me. But in order to get more specific, we actually need to talk about a problem with the food groups, at least from my perspective. And that is that the third group, the vegetables group, is a very broad category. And there really are three subgroups of vegetables. We need to have all of them in our diets. And most people eat, mm, I wanna say from the group one, and they don't eat enough from the other two groups. So let me talk to you about what these are. So the first group that we do get plenty of in America are the corn potatoes, sweet potatoes, yams, the starchy vegetables that everybody loves to eat. Okay, now these have gotten a bad rap, I think, for the past 25 or 30 years. Carbohydrates, starchy foods in general have gotten a bad rap. Again, remember our principles of good nutrition. Everything's good in moderation. These foods have a lot of vitamins and minerals in them. They're good food. You just don't want to eat them to the exclusion of the other two groups of vegetables. 
Okay, you got to have that balance. So the second group of vegetables is also starchy, but these vegetables are high in protein, whereas our first group of corn, potatoes, sweet potatoes, those are, again, they're starchy, but they're not, they don't have protein. Our second group are the high protein vegetables, and we have already talked about them. And these are the legumes and the beans, okay? And people need to eat more of these, as I've said, and a little less meat. And these are very healthy foods to plan your meals around. And I'll come back to that point in a moment. Okay. So that's group two. And group three basically is everything else, which turns out to be the non-starchy vegetables. And the non-starchy vegetables are also, they're low protein, and they're usually the lowest ones in calories because starch, starchy, veg, starch or carbohydrates, of course, do provide calories. So when you eat the starchy vegetables, any of them, whether you're eating soup beans, whether you're eating corn or potatoes, you are going to get more calories than if you eat a salad, right? So the non-starchy vegetables include things like salad greens, leaf lettuce, radishes, collard greens, Swiss chard, spinach, parsley. They include a very fancy word, the cruciferous vegetables, which are broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, kale. Some of the root vegetables like radishes. And here's my point also about carrots. People think carrots are a high starchy food. No, they're not. Okay, they're low. Um, so the non-starchy vegetables also include tomatoes, onions, mushrooms, peppers, all the things that you would put in your salad. Okay, so those are our three groups of vegetables. The starchy vegetables that everybody is familiar with, the high-protein vegetables that we aren't eating enough of, and the non-starchy vegetables, which I think some people are eating enough of, but, you know, others are not. So the deal here is to eat a balanced diet, you need to eat from all three groups of vegetables. And a good way now to do this and to think about your food groups and putting together meals, the suggestion is to build your main meals in the day. Let's pretend that's lunch and dinner, though that may vary. You should build them around a whole grain and or a high-protein vegetable, a soup bean or a legume. And then you can add in other protein foods in smaller amounts and add in a few non-starchy vegetables, and you got it. You can have fruit for dessert or for a snack, or it can be part of dessert and part of a snack. And that way, you get all your, all your food groups in on several meals a day. Now, if you have more questions about this, I'll be happy to answer them. As I've said, I can't spend a lot of time on any one thing um, because I want to go on to something else here next about healthy eating that is still connected. If you're a person who finds this sort of thing overwhelming or too much trouble to think about building your meals and did you eat from all the food groups and what are the guidelines and it's, it's too much, you can always follow a healthy eating plan where someone else has done the work for you. And I wanted to mention several um, 
you have a second handout from me, or again, you'll get one, that has a list of online resources, which I really hope are accessible. Um, one, uh, you have a, a number of uh, websites from our government, um, or from Harvard, there's one from Harvard, there's one from the Mayo Clinic, and there's one from the National Institutes of Health. And these have more information about healthy eating if you're interested, and they have information about um, a very um, well-proven diet called the DASH diet. The DASH diet is exactly what it sounds like, DASH, D-A-S-H, all capital letters. It stands for the Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. However, it has been generalized over the years just as a healthy diet. It certainly does help people with hypertension and heart disease and, and diabetes, but it's a healthy diet. And it encompasses all the guidelines. Um, generally unprocessed foods, lots of fruits and vegetables, uh, whole grains, nuts, fish, poultry, all the things that I've mentioned so far. So you have a link where you can look at the recipes, the menus. You can also download the diet for free. But if that's not appealing to you for any reason or you'd like some more ideas beyond that, one of the things I'd like to encourage is if you like a particular cuisine or if you like several cuisines, then learn to cook a couple of dishes from those cuisines. For example, if you like Asian food or Caribbean or Middle Eastern or Mediterranean, Mexican, African, Indian, there are lots of great traditional recipes from these cuisines that people have eaten for thousands of years that are basically like that DASH diet. They have a good balance of foods, they emphasize the plant-based proteins, and they add in, you know, bits of, 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 of other proteins, animal proteins, but they have lots of vegetables and lots of foods that we in America should eat. I'll also add that if your parents, grandparents, or great-grandparents have any good, healthy West Virginia recipes, go for them, okay? Nothing wrong with eating uh, West Virginia cuisine either, as long as it's not the modern cuisine, which really, unfortunately, seems to be too much um, fast food and, and things that we really need to eat less of. So you have some online resources um, that I hope will be of help. And this brings me to the last thing I wanted to say today which is, um, and before I get it, let me again back up. And I sure hope I haven't gone too quickly. Um, if I have and you'd like to back me up or have any points clarified, please, please ask. <clears throat> so I've mentioned the basic principles of good nutrition, which are balance, moderation, and variety. I've given you some general guidelines, right, about what to eat, the unprocessed food, the 50% should be grains, etc. I gave you a little bit of information on how to build a healthy meal. Um, it is only a little. I can give you more. <clears throat> um, but I wanted to just do that much at least. And I've just mentioned that there are cuisines that you can access that can also give you the kinds of diets that you might want to follow. Um, I also want to mention that in the resources I've listed for you, there is one called Old Ways. And the Old Ways um, website 
has Mediterranean, Latin American, African, and Asian recipes, and I highly recommend it. So all of this is well and good, especially during the pandemic. People are home and may have time. But I think one of the big challenges we have in America today when we're not in a pandemic is how to eat well and have a busy life. And this is a very challenging thing to do because most of the, uh, let me say, the countries where people seem to be the healthiest, it isn't just about what they eat. It's about their lifestyles. It's about their ability to be consistently active and be with friends and family and do things that are just good for us in general. But for me, I've got to focus on the diet. So I wanted to share with you just some thoughts about eating well in a busy life. Um, And the way I'll describe this is there are four kinds of situational diets that I think people have. There's the diet you follow when you have all the time in the world to cook and all the food that you need is right at your fingertips. There's the diet you fall back on when you're in a rush, exhausted, or maybe you're not a cook. So you may be eating mostly this this kind of a diet. Then there's the diet you might eat when you're away from home. If you're on the road, if you're at a conference, if you're traveling, or if you're at a relative's house, you know, during the holidays for a long period of time. And then there's what we eat, the diet we eat when we eat out and where you go to eat out. So if you have um, criticisms or you're not satisfied With any of these diets that you follow in any of these situations, I advise you to take time out and put it on your calendar where you can brainstorm and problem solve and try to figure out in advance what you might do in the future to improve. Um, If you need to learn to cook several recipes at home, if you're not a cook, you don't have to become a five-star chef. Maybe there's a cuisine you really like, and you get some recipes online, and you learn to make a couple. Maybe you need more nutritious foods to fall back on at home. And one of the things that people usually don't want to do, but I often recommend for this, is to go to the supermarket with a friend when you're not food shopping and walk the aisles and make a list of anything that would be good for you to eat or that you would like to eat when you really don't have time. And uh, then put that on your shopping list and stock up the next time you do go shopping. And I have a few other suggestions like this, but I think I've hit my 20-minute mark, I think. So I'd like to open this up to any questions that you might have. So if you have a question, if you're on the phone, press star nine to raise your hand. If you are on the computer, press Alt-Y. If you're on the Mac, Option-Y. And if you are using an iDevice, you'll need to press the um, more and then raise hand. And we have Agnes. Hi, this is Agnes Ferris. And I was looking at uh, both of your handouts, and I want to thank you for those. On the vitamin D one, it... It has an abbreviation IU. Is that, I think it said that means international units. Yes. How can we convert those? To what? Well, I don't know. Like, what would we look for, you know, with, with it? I Usually, mean, okay. I wanted to let you know what that meant. Um, you know, 
somebody somewhere in the World Health Organization many years ago came up with that, I think. If you go to the store, that's what usually vitamin D is in. It'll say 1,000 IUs or 400 IUs. So that's the actual, that's the measure that you'll find when you go shopping at Walmart or Kroger's or wherever you shop for vitamins or, you know, the pharmacy. Thank you. Okay. Is there any other hands raised? Um, yes. Telephone number ending in 6505. You having an air raid or something there, Katie? <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry about the sirens. That should be 9505. I apologize. It would help if I can read my Braille display. <laughs> it was, Katie. <laughs> it's Margie Donovan from <laughs> California. What a great conference. What a great topic. Thank you for opening this up to all of us. I just want to throw in, I was absolutely blown away that you did not mention quinoa being a wonderful source of protein, and you can throw a bunch of vegetables in there, and I eat a lot of it. Thank you. Okay. Um, as as I said, I wasn't picking on any particular foods, but you're right. I did mention legumes. I'm really pulling for beans and legumes in this talk because most people aren't really familiar enough with thinking about them. Quinoa, um, soybeans, by the way, buckwheat, and I forget, there's one more that are complete proteins. Quinoa is a grain. Uh, it's a wonderful grain to build meals around, and uh, you're absolutely right. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> Sorry, and any others there, Katie? I do not see any at this time. I, I did email um, the, both handouts. I sent them to every, everyone when I sent them the Zoom information. Thank you, Donna. Uh, so, I appreciate so, it. Yeah, yeah, everyone should have it. And I just didn't have time to go look at all those resources to see <laughs> the no, accessibility. No, no. I certainly, oh, I, I, I wasn't expecting you to do that. And, and I sure hope that these days um, that more sites than not are accessible. Can, can anybody tell me how easy it is these days to get to, I mean, are, are you finding that more sites are accessible? That's actually something I'd like to know. Uh, it's, it, it's erratic. You know, it, there, there's, there's not a whole lot of consistency. Okay. Um, so some are and some aren't. Right. And so if you go looking for recipes, who knows, right? If you'll be able to access them or not. So, right. Yeah. But, um, what's really nice is, you know, on, um, now, uh, there are different types of technology available to us that can help us read food labels and and things like that. Um, so that that's become helpful. That sounds um, pretty excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for thank, having. Me. Thank you very much, and and thank you for the the information and the resources and uh, vitamin D. That I was glad to to see that uh, that handout. That that was. That was good. Thank you very much. Welcome. All right. Have a good afternoon, you guys. Uh, well, thank you. You too. Okay. Let's do a door prize, Glenn, and then we'll have our next speaker. All right. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Siri, pick a number between 1 and 73. A random number between 1 and 73 is 29. 
Number 29. 29. Okay. Two nine. And 29 is Maggie Felton, who is the lady from Vanda. Um, she isn't here yet. I'm sure of that. She is from Washington, D.C. Maggie is going to be the lucky winner, and I think I remember what it was, of a $10 Dairy Queen gift card. Uh, so, and I'm sure they have Dairy Queen somewhere in her area. Let's do one more real quick, Glenn. Okay. Pick a number between 1 and 73. A random number between 1 and 73 is 64. Number 64. Four. Okay. And they, number 64 is Erica Wolf. Erica is from St. Louis, Missouri. And she is going to receive, and I hope they have them in her area, a $10 Sheets gift card, which was donated from by the Potomac Valley chapter, uh, which is one of our local chapters. Okay, let, let me do Steve's introduction. Um, and Steve, we certainly thank you for being here. And uh, Steve Hoyt um, has been at uh, Pilot Dog for 30 years. That's a long time. 15 years as a, and I don't know what this stands for, but he'll tell us. GDMI? Uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll tell us what that is. <laughs> 10 years as Student Services Director and five years as, and again, I don't know what this COMS comes and currently Director of Training. So Steve, uh, thank you for joining us. Welcome, and you're on, and tell us what some of that means. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, honor to be talking with everyone. Uh, GDMI stands for Guide Dog Mobility Instructor, oh, okay. and the COM stands for the Certified Orientation Mobility Specialist, um, and right. I received my master's at Western about now five years ago. So we started the O&M program here also at Pilot uh, training those who want services with the white cane. Okay. Okay. So if you would share with us uh, whatever you have, it's your time. Sure. Um, I was going to talk about a little bit about our services that we provide here at Pilot, uh, the O&M program that we started back in 2015. Uh, for those who never had cane training before or they're rusty, on their uh, skills, they can come here um, at no cost for two weeks. Um, the instruction will be about four to six lessons a day and getting around 25 to 30 hours of instruction uh, in two weeks. And there's a lot of things that we cover with the white cane um, so people can be travel safely and efficiently with their cane. We do offer a dog walk that second week of training, however, they do not have to walk with a dog they do not want to so we like i said we've been very pleased with this service because of uh people can't get uh services in their hometown area uh, a lack of orientation mobility specialists across the united states a lot of people are retiring uh the funding people have told me they can't get the funding to serve those people in those areas so that's why we've started this program here to hopefully help people become independent. Um, please feel free, anybody can jump in to ask questions about our services that we provide. Um, but that's what we do. Uh, we also do the dog guide program. 
um, for those who are uh, wanting to come and get a guide dog, we still use the seven breeds, the German Shepherd, the Labrador Retriever, the Golden Retriever, uh, the Boxer, the Doberman, the Vishla, and the Standard Poodle. Um, so there's a seven breeds that we use. The most common probably is the Labrador Retriever that we use. And the least uh, common is probably the Vishla that we use. Uh, people can come, uh, of course, not currently, we're not having people travel in from the United States, but we do serve people all across the United States and the world. Uh, like I said, currently we're just doing locals. We did start back class back up in June for local, for people driving. We've been doing the um, six feet distancing, separating our chairs in our day room, our front room and our courtyard and everybody having assigned seats to come and uh, get a dog or that come with a cane. Um, can I answer any questions right now about anything? Katie, it's Leslie. Could I ask something real quick? Or? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Donna. So, yeah, um, <laughs> okay, cool. So, are you going to offer classes in the future when COVA, when, when things get back to normal, or, you know, are uh, kind of normal are, again? Or Yeah, we're doing small classes right now, uh, anywhere from two to three students per class. But that's only if you live in Ohio, correct? Yeah, Ohio are bordering states if they're willing to transportation, correct? Yeah, one yeah. of our members from West Virginia just came back from okay. pilot. Because oh, yeah. I, li I live in Florida, and I'm interested in getting a dog. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm just curious when you guys will start doing classes again. Yeah, for the transportation, we don't know about the future. Okay. We're okay. still unknown about that with the traveling. I'll check back with you. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. We just can't wait till this is over. I'm sure everybody can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Agnes, I, have a, I was just curious, do you all work with students who have hearing disabilities or who have cochlear implants? Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. We've had yeah. people with other disabilities besides the hearing. We've had people with CP, CP cerebral palsy and muscular I'm sorry, multiple sclerosis uh, that come in and get a dog that have used a support cane successfully with a guide dog. Uh, we just, um, of course, their application process they have to go through with someone getting from their doctor, a medical, of course, the eye report and references and also reference from their orientation mobility specialist that they can cross streets independently. And that, lastly, what has been your success rate with the Vishla? Uh, boy, I've not seen any come through in a long time. Uh, very low right now. I don't know the percentages, but I would say I would guess it's very low. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. Um, that is all the questions that we have at this time. So, uh, Steve, if, if sure. you want to talk some, uh, you know, about because I, I think there are some people in the audience who, who do have dogs. Sure. Um, just some basic you know, things to think about and caring for the dog. And, and maybe those who are thinking about getting one. Oh, yeah. we have a hand raise. We have another <laughs> <Okay>. hand. <laughs> okay. Yes, that uh, seems to happen. So, Jesse. Hello, this is Jesse from West Virginia. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. we can hear you good. Awesome. Um, I just wanted to say hello to Steve from Dory and Cheddar. Um. And Pilot definitely works with people with hearing impaired. I've been hearing impaired since 
a, a kid and in nineteen eighty three pilot was the only school who accepted me. The others denied me because I was too deaf. And so I've been working with pilot ever since and I'm very, very happy. Oh, very good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we have another hand raised. Yes, we do. All right, Carrie. Um, Hi. You- um, yes. I'm wondering, is there a cost for the dogs through pilot? No, currently there is no cost for those who qualify, uh, who are accepted from the selection committee to come. We provide the round trip transportation, the room and board uh, for people, and that's including the O&M program. There is no cost. Okay. And do you also help with ongoing vet care? Yes, we do. We're providing right now $200, uh, well, because of COVID, I'm not sure because of donations, but we were providing up to $200 a year for help with the, that care cost. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, Steve, if you just want to talk sure. a little bit about some some basic, you know, pet care and things to think about if, if you are sort of pondering, you know, getting a dog. and Yeah. The um, getting a dog takes a lot of responsibility. Uh, a lot of people think they're a miracle worker, but they're not. It's just another way of travel. Uh, of course, people, you know, the responsibility have to clean up after their dog when they get home, have to brush their dog, have to feed their dog and give them water, uh, checking their, brushing their teeth weekly or monthly, grooming them two to three times a day is going to help big time with the smell and not giving a bath so many times throughout the year. So that responsibility is great. Checking their paws, of course, in the snow with salt and all that good stuff and checking their, make sure their weight uh, checking their ribs so they don't get overweight and cutting back on their food when you're not doing as much walking. An example would be in the winter months and maybe with ice and stuff like that. So it is a big responsibility. Uh, there is a trade-off uh, of uh, people who do get a dog. That responsibility is great, but people do enjoy that uh, that guide of that uh, movement and mobility. And uh, it's just neat to see uh, people who want to do that, but however... You know, people should knock the white cane as well. They're both great mobility tools. But getting a dog is a lot of responsibility. Uh, I think a lot of people have that myth that the dog is, you know, I could press a button and uh, let's go to Bob Evans or let's go to McDonald's <laughs> or let's go somewhere and the dog's going to take them there. And that's not the case. They're, they have a straight line concept where the dog will stop at any change in the ground surface and uh, uneven sidewalk. Of course, you have the truncated domes, you have the ramps, you have the true curbs, and then you have the all the obstacles that are out there that we, uh, the sighted people know, all know about and the per- person with, uh, without vision, uh, that the dog is supposed to guide them around them. Uh, so it does take a lot of work, but it is, uh, like I said, up to a person who wants that mobility and that, uh, um, that different way of traveling than with the white cane. Okay. Any other questions? So um, I I did not know until now that you did do the the cane travel. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's available to to people from out of state, like not just Ohio? Yes, we've had we've had people from other countries from Ukraine come for cane training. So we we're doing uh, nationwide and uh, hopefully we'll start We've been doing local uh, with the white cane. But hopefully when this is over, the COVID that will be, you know, accepting in people flying in with the white cane because they can't get services in their area. And we do intense two-week course uh, 
uh, with that. So yeah, it is free and uh, you know no cost. We do not, uh, we cannot uh, have people who, because of our building is older, excuse me, that we cannot serve people in wheelchairs and walkers. Uh, however, if they just want to learn how to get around and te- teaching them stop signs and traffic lights and simple lights, complex lights, and all the stuff that we cover in, uh, you know, in two weeks, uh, we'll be happy to help them. Okay. And we have another hand. Um, Telephone number ending in 689. You should be unmuted. Yes, how are you today? Um, I just had a very quick question of, you know, if somebody uh, wants to to do the orientation and mobility part, and if that person, let's say you have a local individual who might be interested in something like that or someone who can get back and forth to your facility, are they still required uh, to live at the facility for two weeks? I can certainly understand, you know, that uh, someone with guide dog training would be, but would the person in the cane travel? program be required to do so also or could they just come and and go during the day and take part in the training yeah that's a great question and people have done that in central ohio that if they have a ride they can come in for training like from nine to four each day they do not have to stay here because they don't have a dog that's correct and they can just come here uh, in the morning usually between eight and nine and then leave again around four each day and then sometimes on the weekends we may have a saturday lesson morning lesson and then they can go home for the weekend and come back on Monday morning. Okay, thank you, sir. Uh, thank you. So just, well, I guess because it hasn't you know, been there as long, but do, what's kind of your ratio to people coming for dog training or, or cane training? Is well, The people with the cane, we don't, when they come for training, we don't uh, exclude them. They're part of the guide dog class. They're included. They just travel differently. So we're usually doing one oh. or, max, or maximum two at a time. I, I see. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. And we've had people come for cane training. Uh, they get O&M and even go to other schools to get a dog. And that's okay with us. We just want to help people. Wow. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I was a TVI, just retired, but, um, you know, I know the shortage of orientation and mobility instructors, and um, that's that's a wonderful service. Mm, thank you. Yeah, we there's definitely a shortage. I talk to people across the state of Ohio and in other other states, and then a big shortage across the United States with that. Okay, we have a couple of minutes. If if there's any more questions. Or comments. There's we a, do. There's we a raise another hand. <laughs> hand. Yes. All right. So, Kathy, you can unmute. Well, I just wanted to find out if you have plenty of people to take the guide dogs. <laughs> I, I'm low vision. I don't really need a guide dog, but I love, love, love dogs, and I'd love to give them a good home if if that is ever needed. Are you talking about a puppy raiser, or are you talking about a retired guide? I'm talking about a retired guide. Retired guide, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes a lot of the students will keep, the graduates will keep their dog retirement. Yes, yeah. I know. So a lot of them will do that, or they'll give it to a family member in their local hometown or someone close to them. So, or find a good nursing home, that kind of thing. 
Okay, thank you. Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> okay, well, Steve, thank you again. Well, for, thank you for having uh, me. for your time and 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 for, oh my, there's another race. Hey, there's <laughs> another one. Yeah. <laughs> Just when you think, yeah, about so, at the end here. All okay. right, so Fran, you can unmute yourself. Hey, Steve, I have a question about um your dogs i guess basically so if somebody comes for a dog and they mm-hmm. go to the program do they own that dog then or does the dog still belong to the school how does that work the dog is theirs as an outright gift as long as they're using a dog okay so if there's a problem with that dog mm-hmm. and say the dog is just really not i don't know behaving properly in public or whatever and Sure. So somebody, if they report, if that dog has been reported by somebody else to mm-hmm. the school, does the school intervene? And yeah, the school will investigate and we'll see. Investigate and yes. situation. And we like it. And I'm sure every school in America likes that when someone can send something to the school in writing. Okay. And then, because we had a situation with a different school where we were um, – there was a state convention and it was just really out of control. Mm-hmm. The, the handler could not manage the dog and sure. the, the dog was reported. They were reported to the school and the school went out and worked with them for a while, but they said, there's nothing we can do, you know, because, you know, the dog was theirs and, you know, so that ownership thing too. And mm-hmm. we, we felt like, something more should have been done and um you know because of the you know they the dog is theirs then when they leave this you know the the school had no you know recourse but it just seems like sometimes the dogs are mistreated or or whatever it seems like the school should be able to take them back and um you know yeah every school has their own policy on that and i know that each school in America will like feedback if something like abuse, sad to say, does happen, uh, that the, they would uh, definitely get something in writing, an email or a phone call, and even write a letter or whatever, so the school can have that in writing, and they'll investigate the situation. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you again, Steve. And Well, thank you for having and, me. So. All right. Um, so our next um, presenter is Homer Hickam. Um, this is pretty lengthy, but quite interesting bio. He was born and raised in the small mining town of Colwood, West Virginia. Uh, he graduated from Big Creek High School in a town called War. And I used to not believe that that really was a town when I first heard it. I'm not a native West Virginian. So uh, War, West Virginia. And then from the engineering school of Virginia Tech, uh, where he built the famous school uh, game cannon called the Skipper. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, he is a Vietnam combat veteran of the 4th Infantry Division and was awarded a Bronze Star Medal and Army Commendation Medal uh, for his service. He had a long career with the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, where he worked in spacecraft design and astronaut training. 
He trained the first Japanese astronauts and was on the team that trained the crews uh, to repair the Hubble Space Telescope. He was the lead training manager on the International Space Station. Uh, he is the best-selling author of the Coldwood series of memoirs, uh, the Joss Thur- Thurlow uh, series of World War II fiction and many other novels and nonfiction books, including his most recent novel, Carrying Albert Home. Uh, his Number one New York Times bestselling memoir, Rocket Boys, was adapted into the award-winning film titled October Sky. Uh, Mr. Hickam has also been a coal miner, uh, wow, scuba instructor, and recently a paleontologist with uh, two discovered uh, T-Rexes to his credit. Um, And Mr. Hickam is presently a member of the National Space Council and is on the board of the U.S. Space and Rocket Center, which houses the famous space camp. And the West Virginia School for the Blind was one of the instrumental, uh, uh, some of the instructors from the West Virginia School for the Blind were pretty instrumental in starting the blind uh, space camp program. Uh, that's just a side note. So, Homer, thank you so much for joining us, and we are so looking forward to your presentation. Well, thank you, Donna. Um, uh, that's a wonderful and quite lengthy introduction, and I really do appreciate it. Uh, when Glenn um, got in touch with me uh, with the idea of uh, presenting at the uh, Mountain State Council of the Blind um, convention this year, um, the, the virtual convention, uh, it was just uh, right up my alley to do. And I'm, I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to be talking to everybody um, in West Virginia and across the country uh, today. Uh, I have to say before um, before I get to off to some other things that um, the title of, of my talk is, um, I noticed <laughs> Blast Off in Colwood and Touchdown in Huntsville, which is good since um, I live most of the time in Huntsville, Alabama, which is known as Rocket City, USA. Uh, one of the things that we do here, uh, my wife and I, is um, we are uh, we work with the feral cats and uh, we uh, are uh, fosters. And so if you hear a meowing in the background, that's one of them. And so... <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's that's what's happening there. No 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 problem. Um, we'll take care of it. But um, I've also had um, um, surprisingly, uh, in a way, um, a relationship with the um, with the School of the Blind in Romney for uh, for quite a long time. Um, two of the professors, uh, uh, three actually three of the professors, uh, uh, I've known very very well. Rusty Rice, uh, the late, uh, great Rusty Rice was a very good friend and um, helped me out quite a bit when we had Rocket Boys and October Sky Festivals in, uh, in West Virginia. Um, and um, Charlie Ploss, one of your professors there, um, who, who has also passed away, uh, was very, very well known. He's from war. He was from war. And he's actually, uh, I can reveal something today that I've never revealed before. In, in the book Rocket Boys, in the movie October Sky, my um, the girl that I was absolutely obsessed with, I called her Dorothy Plunk. Uh, 
<laughs> and um, actually, her real name was Doris Ploss, and Charlie was her brother. And uh, so <laughs> I knew Charlie growing up, and um, even in war, which uh, you can imagine um, was there was not a whole lot of, uh, of uh, uh, things to help out um, uh, the young people, especially who are visually impaired. Charlie uh, made his way around, and uh, we're all were very, very proud of Charlie. And then he went off to Romney and, of course, um, became a legend there. And the other, um, the other professor at... Um, in Romney is um, Dan Oates. And uh, Dan has been a good friend for, oh gosh, at least 20 years. And he is um, the lead for what we call CIVIS down here in Huntsville at Space Camp, the Space Camp for Interested Visually Impaired uh, Students. And that's um, um, where we have a full-fledged week-long Space Camp uh, for we did it for the first 15 years just for um, young people from uh, from West Virginia, but now it's national and international. Uh, we have um, visually impaired students from um, all over the country and the world uh, come for a week, uh, usually in September. Of course, this year we weren't able to do it because of the COVID thing. Uh, next year we do hope to, um, to get started. And the motto of CIVIS uh, is just because I can't see the stars, doesn't mean I can't reach for them. And um, this is, uh, I mean, it's, it's absolutely marvelous to go out and see these young kids uh, doing everything at space camp, just like, um, just like the other students. So if you're interested in that, you can go out to the website, uh, www.spacecamp.com, and um, you'll see, uh, just look up uh, CIVIS, uh, or you can, you can Google CIVIS, S-C-I-V-I-S, Huntsville, and all that information will come up uh, for for 2021. Um, uh, since um, the title is uh, uh, Blast Off in Colwood, I do want to talk about the little town where I grew up, uh, Colwood, West Virginia. Uh, quite a interesting little town. Um, it uh, was a pure company town. Um, I was born in 1943, so I've been around for a while. I like to say I was born during World War II. It was right after the dinosaurs died out, you know, just to put <laughs> you in, in context there. Um, but uh, Colwood was a pure company town, which mean, meant that um, everything in the town was owned by the coal company. Every, every house, every tree, every road, every store, um, even the church uh, was owned by the company and the preacher was a company man. They had him on a three-year contract. So every three years, we got whatever low-bid religion came in. So uh, quite an eclectic religious background. We, we, we were, we were uh, Presbyterians for a while, and we were Baptists for a while, and we, we were Methodists for a while. Well, try that. Try being a Southern Baptist for three years, and all of a sudden, you're a Methodist. It's kind of interesting. Uh, so, um, but uh, that's the kind of town it was. The coal, it was, coal was, uh, was the lifeblood of little Colwood, and actually all of MacDowell County. And um, in um, my story that uh, told in Rocket Boys, and they made it into that movie, October Sky, and, and I do want to apologize for to mostly the young ladies out there who uh, might have uh, been knowledgeable of the movie October Sky, uh, to apologize for not actually being Jake Gyllenhaal, who played me uh, in that movie. Um, my story there uh, that I told was uh, started in 1957. And in 1957, I was 14 years old. And um, by the way, one story that I didn't tell in, uh, 
and Rocket Boys was uh, and relates to uh, to my talk today is in fact um, I was visually impaired as well. I had um, uh, 2400 vision in both eyes. Uh, I could only see one foot in front of me, and nobody knew that until I was in the fifth grade. And um, uh, I guess my mom kind of wondered why I always held book, a book up so close to my face. And uh, when I went up to the blackboard to, to write on it, I you know, had to put my, my face within a foot of the blackboard in order to write. Nobody could figure out uh, or, or notice that that might mean something. So in the fifth grade, um, the doctor in town came up with a vision chart and uh, uh, put it up on the wall and invited all the kids to look at it. And when my time came to look at the chart, I I couldn't see it. So they asked me to walk up until I could. So I went up to, I was about uh, three feet away from it and then leaned over a foot from it and said E, which was the big letter on top. And my mother burst into tears. She had no idea that that was the story. So I ended up with some pretty thick glasses. Uh, they were made out of glass back then, true. And, and so they were, they were very heavy. So uh, in any case, um, uh, in 1957, the uh, Russians launched uh, Sputnik, which was the world's first Earth satellite. And um, it scared most of the people in the United States. But for a lot of us who had read science fiction back then, that was the golden age of science fiction, really, with Heinlein and, and uh, Asimov and uh, Arthur C. Clarke and so on. We were just absolutely fascinated by that. And... Um, uh, I heard that Sputnik, this satellite, was actually going to fly over Colwood. And I, I told my mom that uh, I was going to go out in the backyard and watch uh, Sputnik uh, fly over. And, and just to give you an idea how maybe there weren't a whole lot of things to do in Colwood back then, um, my mom told the neighbor lady who told the neighbor lady who told the neighbor lady on down the, the line of houses there that Sonny, which is what I was called back then, was going to watch Sputnik fly over and when the time came uh, about half of Colwood was in our backyard because I think maybe they thought I knew something they didn't that was the only place you could see Sputnik so um, uh, sure enough uh, Sputnik came along and um, it was the most amazing sight that I'd ever seen this bright little star just flying across uh, across our town the sky was so clear and I could see it and I knew at that moment that somehow some way I wanted to be part of that so um I thought about it a little bit, and I thought, well, you know, I guess um, you know everybody was talking about space and rockets. That uh, maybe I would need to find out how to how to build a rocket. So um, I I told my mom at the kitchen table. My, my mom had one rule. Uh, my dad was the superintendent of the mine. He was up at the mine all the time. But she had one rule: everybody had to be at the supper table at night. So um, there there we were sitting. My uh, my mom, my dad. My older brother, Jim, who was a big uh, football hero, and uh, uh, he, he, just to give you an idea of what my brother thought of me, he used to introduce me as his sister. But uh, anyway, um, uh, that'd be a compliment today, <laughs> but, but it wasn't back then. So um, so uh, when my time came, or we would go around the table and talk, when my time came, I said, I'm going to build a rocket. And... Uh, my mom, it startled my mom. Dad wasn't listening. He never listened to anything I said. My brother just laughed. Of course, he thought that was pretty funny that I'd say such a stupid thing. And uh, But my mom got a thoughtful look on her face, and she looked over at me, and she said, well, Sonny, don't blow yourself up. And um, 
So this is, um, I want to read from Rocket Boys real quick what, what happened. I appointed myself chief rocket designer. Odell, who was a garbage man's son, provided me with a small discarded plastic flashlight to use as the body of the rocket. I emptied its batteries and punched a hole in its base with a nail. I cracked open my cherry bombs, which were left over from the 4th of July, and poured, poured the powder from them into the flashlight and then wrapped it all up in electrical tape. You, you, you can almost tell what's going to happen here. I took one of the cherry bomb fuses and I stuck it in a hole and then glued the entire apparatus inside the fuselage of a D-wing plastic model airplane. Since Sherman couldn't run very fast, that's because he had polio, and also because it was his idea, he was placed in charge of a countdown, a position that allowed him to stand back. Roy Lee was to bring the matches. Odell was to strike the match and hand it to me. I'd like to fuse and make a run for it. Everybody had something to do. When night came, we balanced our rocket, looking wicked and sleek on top of my mother's rose garden fence. That fence was a pride of some pride and satisfaction to her. It had taken her six months of reminding Dad before he finally sent the company carpenter down from the mine to build it to protect her precious roses. The night was cold and clear. All the better, we thought, for us to track our rocket as it streaked across the dark and starry sky. We waited until some coal cars rumbled past, and then I lit the fuse and ran back to the grass at the edge of the rose bushes. Odell smacked his hand over his mouth to smother his excited giggle. Sparkles of fire dribbled out of the fuse. Sherman was counting backward from ten. We waited expectantly, and then Sherman reached out and yelled, Blast off, just as the cherry bomb powder detonated. There was an eyewitness, a miner waiting for a ride at the gas station across the street. For the edification of our fence gossipers, he would later describe what he had seen. There was, he reported, a huge flash in the Hickam's yard and a sound like God himself had clapped his hands. Then an arc of fire lifted up and up into the darkness, turning and cartwheeling and spewing bright sparks away, the man told it. Our rocket was a beautiful and glorious sight. And I guess he was right as far as it went. The only problem was... It wasn't a rocket that streaked into that dark, cold, clear, and starry night. It was my mother's rose garden fence. Well, every light went on in every house down the valley, and uh, dogs were barking, and I guess everybody thought the Russians had finally attacked, uh, uh, and they'd pick Colwood as their first target. Um, but um, my mom and dad came out on the back porch, and and there I was standing all alone. The other boys had disappeared since there was a rather large hole in the fence for them to go through. And uh, dad took one look and told my mom, Elsie, you take care of it. And he went back inside. Now, I have to tell you that if my mom had marched out there and killed me right on the spot, there probably wouldn't have been a West Virginia jury that would have convicted her for it, considering what I had just done to her rose garden fence. But um, instead, mom came out and um, asked me, um, if I could learn how to build a rocket, did I have any idea how to actually build a rocket? And I thought it was pretty clear by the fact that the, that there I w there we were standing in front of her burning fence that I had no clue how to build a rocket. But she said, "Do you know what your dad has planned for you?" And which was an interesting question since I didn't know if my dad knew that I was alive. And um, I said no. And she said, "Well, he he doesn't think that you're." you you could go to college or anything because you're not smart enough but maybe he could get you a little job at the coal mine not underground he's afraid you kill yourself down there but maybe something uh, on the surface and just for a moment I wondered how much he planned on paying me but at anyway she said I think you're better than that so I've saved up enough money to put you through college but 
we have a joint bank account and uh, your dad would have to sign off on it. So uh, I wonder if you, if you learn how to build a rocket, maybe you could impress him enough that, um, that uh, he would agree to let you go off to college. And so that started uh, three years of, um, of learning to uh, there in little Colwood, West Virginia and MacDowell County. Um, how to build rockets. I, I recruited a number of boys. We called ourselves the Rocket Boys and uh, later named it after our high school, Big Creek Missile Agency. And uh, we ended up building uh, such sophisticated rockets that um, we went off to the National Science Fair and um, won the gold medal there in uh, 1960. Our teacher, uh, Miss Riley, um, who uh, was our science teacher, uh, was uh, encouraged us all the way. Uh, ultimately, the people of Colwood got behind us. They helped us. The machinists down at the machine shop uh, stepped up and started doing all the intricate uh, uh, metal work that was required to, uh, to build these uh, rather sophisticated uh, rockets. And um, uh, even my dad started to pay attention uh, a little bit. He uh, ultimately decided that I should be a mining engineer uh, not an aerospace engineer, but at least I had uh, gotten him to uh, to start paying attention uh, to me a little bit, and ultimately he did agree to let me go off to college. I do want to read um, um, what happened? You, you, I just the, the first rocket, of course, um, I just read about it. But let me read to you about um, after the National Science Fair, and um, we had come back and uh, with our gold medal and everything, we decided to have a final launch. Uh, of a rocket to um, to celebrate what we had done with the people of Colwood who had helped us so much. Oct 31 was our last and biggest rocket, six and a half feet long, two and a quarter inches in diameter. Oct spelled A-U-K. It's a bird that can't fly. So we had kind of a sense of humor about uh, naming our rockets. We carefully raised it into a vertical position and then lowered it on the launch rod. It had been designed to reach an altitude of five miles. With a rocket this size, I thought perhaps we were exceeding the critical dimensions of our propellant, which we called Zincoshine. Uh, Zincoshine was zinc dust, sulfur, and 100% 200 proof West Virginia moonshine, otherwise known as alcohol. Uh, kids, do not try this at home. I hoped it wouldn't blow up, but I knew it might. I knelt at the space and started twisting together the ignition wire connections. Sonny Royley said, do you see who's here? I looked up for my work. Who? Just look. The town constable opened a path through the crowd, and there stood my dad in his work clothes. Now, my father had never come to any of our launches over the three-year period. And Royley went after him, ex uh, escorted him out on the coal. We, our launch range was a huge uh, slack dump. That's excess coal. It filled a whole valley and killed every tree and every, every uh, blade of grass there. So we had this huge, wide-open area. And I heard Roy Lee say, come and help us, Mr. Hickam. Oh, you don't need my help, Dad said. I just came to watch. And all the boys protested. No, sir, you can help all you want. I stood up, brushing the coal off my jeans. A rocket won't fly unless somebody lights the fuse, I said. Come on, Dad, this one's yours if you want it. My dad entered the blockhouse, and I directed him to the firing panel. This one's yours, Dad, if you want it. 
There were, to my surprise, there was no mistaking the pure delight I saw spread across his face as he knelt in front of the panel. And Roy Lee called from the back door. Whenever you're ready, he said. And I counted down to zero, and Dad turned the switch. Oct 31 erupted, blowing huge chunks of concrete loose from our launch pad. The crowd took a step backward, and some of them started to run. Oct 31 seemed to split the air that filled the narrow valley, a shockwave rippling across the coal. Women screamed, and men clapped their hands to their ears. We boys came pouring outside. The thunderous din didn't stop. Oct 31 kept pounding us as it climbed. Men, women, and children all watched it with mouths agape, eyes wide, their cheers stuck in their throats. At the company store, those few old men not at the launch got to their feet as the thunder reached them. They stumbled into the road, shading their eyes, the trunk of fire and smoke roaring out of the mountains like God's finger stuck suddenly toward the sky. In a church, the preacher raced to the belfry and began to toll the bell in celebration. Riley kept his eye on his watch, 38, 39, 40. Still see it, Billy announced. The great spout of smoke turned into a dim yellowish streak, just about gone. 43, 44, gone, Billy announced. Gone at 44 seconds. I did a quick calculation. Assuming it was flying nearly vertical, Op 31 had disappeared at an altitude, altitude of 31,000 feet, nearly six miles high. I became aware of movement beside me, and I was astonished to see my dad dancing on the old coal dump, waving his, his hat in his hand. He was exulting to the sky. Beautiful, beautiful. And as Oct 31 raced across the sunlit sky on that glorious day, I instead watched my dad and waited patiently and with hope for him to put his arm around my shoulder and tell me at last that I had done something good. There, I heard Billy yell, there it is. People surged from the road, following the other boys as they raced after our last great rocket. And Dad stopped his dance and put his hat over his heart. He bent over as if a great weight had suddenly been dropped on his back. He looked at me, his mouth open, and I saw in his eyes a curious mixture of happiness and pain that dissolved into fear. And I went to him and put my arm around his shoulder, supporting him while he fought for air against the black lung that would kill him all too soon. You did really good, Dad. I told him as a spasm of deep, oily coughs racked his body. Nobody ever launched a better rocket than you. And so that was the end of the Rocket Boys story that I told um, in Rocket Boys, and they made that movie, October Sky. Uh, I've written a couple of sequels, uh, The Coldwood Way um, and uh, Sky of Stone, and um, a whole bunch of other books. And it's been my pleasure, though, always to go back and, and write about uh, West Virginia and growing up there and the strength of the people there. Um, I was asked um, a few years ago uh, to write a book about the strengths of West Virginia, and I think that they definitely apply um, to the folks uh, w with impaired vision uh, in, that, in the mountain state and across the country and the world, a book that I called uh, We Are Not Afraid. And... Um, uh, we are not afraid. Uh, I think just kind of sums up the attitudes of um, uh, of the folks with uh, with visual impairment, um, and uh, they move forward. Uh, they work hard. They do what needs to be done to have a great life. Um, the attributes of the people of Colwood um, also apply to the visually impaired, and um, that that was um, we're proud of who we are. We stand up for what we believe. We keep our family together, and family can mean more than blood relatives, um, uh, visually impaired, our family. We keep our family together, 
and we trust in God, and we re- but we rely on ourselves. These these are great strengths that um, people west of Colwood, the people of West Virginia have, visually impaired have across the country and the world. And I'm just proud uh, to get an opportunity today to come on to this um, at this convention to say a few words and um, and uh, hope that uh, maybe I'll see a few of you here in Huntsville in the future at uh, at Cyviz or uh, other gatherings. So uh, so God bless everybody, and for any questions, I'd be happy to uh, to take them. We we have a hand. Um, Nastana, did you want to? No, I was. I was just going to say before. Uh, while Agnes is unmuting, um, when I sent the everything for the the Zoom information and everything, I sent one of the documents. I sent was um, a list of the books um, that are available to us. The ones that you had written, the ones that are available to us on a couple of the services that we can access books in various formats. So for convention listeners, I sent um, what's available on Bookshare and what's available on Bard. Yeah, that's true, uh, and it's, uh, thank you for bringing that up. The, um, there's actually um, uh, uh, quite a few of my books that are on audio that uh, were done, uh, uh, especially for the visually impaired. That uh, if you go to the library, they're you know they're free, and so um, hope hope folks will uh, will access those. So we do have a website, homerhickam.com, if you want to see um, if you want to see uh, some of the other books that I've written and I'll give you more information on. We have some raised hands. Yes. So, Agnes. Can you all hear me? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Homer, I want to, first of all, thank you for serving our country. I really appreciate you doing this for us. And I just want to say how much I enjoyed your book, Rocket Boys. And I also enjoyed the movie. And when I read the book, I had a hard time putting it down. And I actually read it in one night, which is unusual for me for a book. But... Um, it was just so great, and I just kept wondering what's going to happen next. <laughs> well, thank you, Agnes. That's a high praise. I mean, any writer, we love that when you pick up one of our books and you can't put it down to your finish. That's, <laughs> that's what we really try to make happen every time, and uh, it's just great, uh, great hearing that. Thank you very much. All right. Um, yeah. Next, go ahead. Yes, um, Homer. Uh, I also. Uh, really loved your books and your presentation today was just thrilling and um i wanted to say that i uh taught in big creek at big creek high school i was artist in residence there in 1981 and one of the names of the teachers you mentioned in your book uh was principal when i was there and that was interesting to me um but uh, I don't even I don't remember what it was now. But um, uh, Mr. Turner was his name, and um, uh, that is yeah. that's terrific. Uh, R. L. Turner, uh, yeah, a little, a little guy. He was actually a paratrooper during World War II. We didn't even know that until years later. He was really a tough principal, and uh, you better do you know you better straighten up and fly right around uh, Mr. Turner. <laughs> I think I think he uh, I think he he kind of. Uh, uh, did the same thing with his teachers. He he kind of kept you on you know on an even keel, let's say. Uh, but thank you very much. I'm sorry I didn't catch your name, but thank you very very much for uh, teaching at Big Creek. That's great. 
Yes, and, and Miss Oxley, I don't know if she was there. She was the art teacher. I think she had been a phys ed teacher, but she was the instructor that I worked under as artist in residence, and it was really a, a, a sweet place. And um, But thank you again for, for your wonderful creativity and, and your rockets. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being a teacher. Um, that's another thing. The wonderful thing about Space Camp is that we do have a Space Camp for teachers and educators, um, every year, and uh, so I, I get an opportunity to go out and talk to them about the teachers, the wonderful teachers I had in Colwood and at Big Creek High School, um, including uh, Miss Riley, uh, Miss Frieda Riley, who uh, who passed away from Hodgkin's disease uh, not long after she nurtured the Rocket Boy through uh, Big Creek. Big Creek's no longer there; it was torn down a few years ago. Um, uh, like a lot of the schools in Southern West Virginia after the, after uh, King Cole kind of went away. Uh, but its memory remains and um, I got a great education there and I'm just uh, so grateful uh, for, for that and the teachers. All right, Melanie. Hi, Homer. Uh, this is Melanie Alt. Um, I met you with Glenn at SciViz in, gosh, 99, I think. Um, <laughs> so you've always been, always been close to my heart, but I had a question. Um, are you looking, are you working on any new books or do you have anything in the pipeline? Well, I do. Um, Carrying Albert Home was the most recent one that came out in 2015. And um, that was the somewhat true story of a man, his wife and her alligator, uh, mm -hmm. which I dearly, dearly loved writing. It was actually about my mom and dad back in the 1930s when, um, my mom had a pet alligator it was given to her by, um, uh, fellow named Buddy Epson. You might remember him. He was the uh, the actor who played Uncle Jed in the Beverly Hillbillies. And uh, uh, she knew Buddy growing up in uh, 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 for a couple of years in Florida when after high school, she lived in Florida for a couple of years and met Buddy. And she came back to West Virginia and married my dad. I don't think Buddy liked that very much. So uh, he, uh, he gave her a baby alligator to remind her of her time in Florida. And she raised it, name of uh, Albert. And after Chase, the, my future dad, down the stairs there in Colwood, he said, it's either me or this alligator, Elsie. And after a few days of thinking it over, she decided, well, um, uh, they'd let Albert go, but they had to carry him home. And that's what the the, um, the novel, Carrying Albert Home, is about. is about uh, Homer and Elsie uh, back in the 1930s um, carrying uh, Albert home uh, back to Florida. It took them a long time to do, so it was a lot of fun to write about. And uh, yes, I'm working on something new right now. It's tentatively titled uh, After Rocket Boys. And um, I'm going to finally sit down and write about how I built that cannon skipper and all about the, not all about, but some stories about Vietnam and then later working for uh, NASA and then um, the writing career and uh, going out to Montana and hunting those T-Rexes and so on. So um, hopefully I can fill up uh, three or 400 pages of uh, sto stories that'll be fun to read. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. Carol. Homer, it's really great to get to talk with you. And um, I'm not going to comment so much on the book, but, uh, of course, I knew I knew Charlie Ploss. And um, my father, we lived in a, a coal mining camp right outside of Morgantown. Um and when I read the book, you know, so much was so familiar to me. It just, it just, it made me feel like I was at home back, you know, back then. Um, 
you know, we had the, the company store, the whole, the company by that time didn't, didn't own everything, but um, I just wanted to say that uh, um, as well as the book itself being interesting, um, it just gave me a sense of home and uh, the love and, and um, commitment, in all the things that people in coal mining camps have. Um, and so I thank you for that. Well, and thank you, Carol. I appreciate for taking that. me back home. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate that. That's uh, that's very very nice. I'm happy that it was a book that uh, folks uh, from West Virginia can relate to, and a lot of the company towns uh, uh, back then, small town uh, United States. Um, and uh, uh, sorry if you heard me say uh, stop, Alexa. She was giving me an alarm. Uh, I mean that's virtual meeting for you. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, I do appreciate that, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to uh, uh, to hear from folks after Rocket Boys came out. I had no idea that it'd be as popular as it turned out to be. So I'm grateful for that. All right, again, if you have a question um, to raise your hand, it's star nine on the telephone or Alt Y on the PC. Option Y on the Mac, and you can double tap the raise hand button on the iPhone. All right. Um, we have Betsy. <laughs> Our list is uh, hopping around. Betsy, you can talk. Okay, thank you, Mr. Hickam. Um, I also attended a school for the blind, and Charlie Plus and Rusty Rice were two of my most favorite teachers and um, I just appreciate you giving your time to share share with us about your books and I plan on reading them I've never heard of you before unfortunately but I read all the time so I will pull them off Bookshare they have more than Bard does so I'll pull them off and read them and thank you so much well you bet uh, Betsy and uh, I admire that you uh, knew Rusty and Charlie both um, that they were wonderful gentlemen uh, as I said um, Rusty Rusty spent a lot of time in Colwood um, because we had, uh, after the book and the movie came out, we had the October Sky Festival there for um, a lot of years. And uh, he came and um, and uh, helped us out a whole lot. And then later in Beckley, when the Rocket Boys Festival uh, started there, um, he, he came down and volunteered his time. And, uh, of course, I kept up with Charlie over the years. And, uh, and now Dan Oates, who is uh, kind of a hero down here in Huntsville for the work that he's done with Cybiz. Um, All right, telephone number 974. You are unmuted. Good afternoon, Mr. Hickam. This is Teresa Petrie, and I used to live in West Virginia. I lived there for 20 years, and I had Charlie Ploss for a teacher. I also had uh, uh, Rusty as a teacher as well. Um, and so he taught me a few things I could do with my hands that I never knew I could do. Um, well, didn't realize I could, I should say. But um, Charlie, oh, he would give me a, a ribbing all the time because I wasn't from coal country. Um, my uh, family, my whole family was a transplant. My father had grown up in New Jersey, of all places, and my mother was from Missouri. But um, I really appreciated the things that Charlie would talk about, especially in West Virginia history class. 
And I did see the movie October Sky when it was on television. I have not read the book Rocket Boys yet, but one of my um, must-reads that I'm going to put on my wish list. All right. Well, great, Teresa. I appreciate hearing from you and uh, you know about Charlie. Um, Charlie's dad was uh, a coal truck driver, actually, actually owned his own uh, number of trucks, and um, they hauled coal out of uh, the little hollow where they lived, which was called Warrior Mines. And um, every chance that I got, of course, I was there trying to hang out with uh, Dora, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but got to meet the family and Charlie and um, when he wasn't up in Romney. And, um, and, and the brother, I think uh, the other brother was Jack and, um, uh, they were great, a great family. And, uh, I'm sure that any ribbing that Charlie gave you was, uh, just, just, uh, just for the fun of it. He was a sweet man. Um, Katie, we have, um, Colton Sweeney, Sweeney has his hand raised. In the yes. Panels. I thought I saw that in okay. the panel. So go ahead, um, Colton, you can unmute yourself. Um, firstly, I would just like to say that, um, Homer, you're, presentation was wonderful i truly learned a lot from that um i heard that you mentioned um Sivis, and i just wanted to make the comment that i actually attended it my senior year and uh, graduated from the advanced academy um and it's truly an honor to get to meet you even though it's on a virtual platform hopefully the day will come where i get to officially meet you in person but until then um it's a pleasure to meet you. Well, thank you, Colton. I hope you had a good time with Sivith and, um, and that uh, you learned something there, too. I know that we learn an awful lot when uh, visually impaired students come to, uh, to space camp. And um, uh, if there's, for any reason, we're wondering why, why we're doing what we're doing at space camp, uh, that week during Sivith, we, we are reminded very powerfully uh, why we do this. And... Um, you, your presence um, inspires and encourages us as well. I try to come out. Um, I don't work directly uh, at, at. I'm on the board of the Space and Rocket Center, which, uh, which houses Space Camp. So I don't I don't work directly at, with the camps, but I do try to come out to um, the Civis uh, graduation if I'm in town. And it's, like I said, generally at the at the tail end of our summer uh, science camp uh, program. Um, usually in September. So um, um, any young people out there who are interested in it, again, go to spacecamp.com and, and let's get going on it. Uh, we weren't able to hold Cybis this year because of COVID, uh, but we fully intend to next year. Oh, this is really a wonderful opportunity. Yep. Donna. Do we have another? Ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Glenn. Uh, yeah. Um, this is Glenn, uh, Mr. Heckham, and I just want to thank you for everything. And of course, I attended uh, Saviz, and it was just wonderful. Uh, of course, that was back in uh, 97 through 2000, and met you there. And it is just an honor to see someone so successful from West Virginia and sharing your talents and your true inspiration. I really do appreciate it. And also, wanted to um ask a couple quick questions about the book um rock uh october skies rocket boys um one um jake mosby uh did you ever stay in contact with him after um you left colwood much and um was he kind of inspirational in you becoming an engineer 
Well, very much so. Jake Mosby is actually a composite of about three what we call junior engineers. So when I wrote Rocket Boys, I had to make some choices where um, when we had uh, when I had characters that were very similar to each other, it made more sense to bring them together as uh, one character. But uh, Jake Mosby was principally one character. I won't say his name or I would have said it in the book, but um uh, yes, very much so. Um, in the book, um, um, Jake was a, a Korean War veteran who uh, had um, was also an engineer, had been sent to Colwood as a junior engineer, which is kind of the lowest uh, type of uh, creature you could be in Colwood. And, <laughs> and my dad put him through kind of a boot camp, and uh, Jake maybe drank a little bit too much. But uh, he did encourage us, and uh, he had a telescope he put on top of the clubhouse. Um, so we got to know the stars and the planets because of Jake. Um, and, yes, I did keep up with the, the character who is about 80% uh, Jake, and he's still around, as a matter of fact, and uh, a really great guy. Wow. And um, I just love the, the, the stories of Floretta in um, the Colwood Way, uh, the, the lady that ran the, um, the clubhouse. clubhouse. Right. So, and on a side note, my uh, great uncle actually ran the Colwood Run uh for um norfolk southern goodness well that um um that was the track I mean, yeah colwood used to have um actually there were two t- tracks into colwood um came up um right up through the middle of town um all day long the trains were in and out in and out coal dust flying everywhere um that's when i woke up in the morning and took the blanket off my bed i could see the coal dust flying in the room um, so that, that's when Colwood was singing its industrial song uh, real hard. Um, <laughs> by the time, uh, by the time um, the Rocket Boys, that had all started to dwindle a little bit, and the, the tracks had been moved over to Coretta, our sister town two mountains away. Uh, but uh, those tracks were still there, and uh, one of the stories that I wrote about in Rocket Boys, they showed it a little bit in October Sky, a little bit wrongfully, but nonetheless, uh, was that we 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 took up those tracks, the Rocket Boys did, to sell them for scrap uh, in order to make a few bucks. And uh, and mostly we lost money on the deal, but <laughs> it was an adventure anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Do we have time for one more? Uh, Yeah. Yep. All right. Melanie. It's Melanie again. Um, Did you ever end up meeting Dr. Von Braun? Um, Melanie, I did not. Um, But um, he actually came to the National Science Fair there in Indianapolis in 1960 when I was there. And I heard that he was in the auditorium. So I ran off and tried to find him. And we, we missed each other. I think it was just meant to be. And um, he, he came by my exhibit and uh, saw the rockets and said that they were the most uh, professional. He had seen that side of Cape Canaveral, at least that's what the other exhibitors told me. Um, and um, uh, But when, we, when they made the movie October Sky, the director said, uh, Homer, I'm going to finally let you meet Werner Von Braun. So uh, they dressed up. The, the, actually, he was a special effects guy, a fellow named Joey Giottano put some white powder in his hair and uh, uh, I got to shake the hand of uh, Bernard Von Braun in, in the movie. Um, so that was, uh, that was kind of cool. Um, but um, 
I, I did get to meet a lot of his team here in Huntsville. Uh, most of them had retired by the time I came here, but um, but you know it's, it was a pretty small town when I first came here, and and a lot of the Von Brown folks um, were were still here. So um, uh, and some of the family uh, I've met. So um, so in a way, I guess I kind of met him. Is there another raised hand? We have a little bit, a couple of minutes yet. I don't see one right now unless oh, okay. anyone on the panel has. Uh, yes, we do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we should just, uh, seems like when we ask, uh, one <laughs> pops up, so that's all right. All right, Agnes. I just wanted to let all of you know that I saw an audio, heard an audio descriptive version of the movie October Sky uh, and through the movie vault on blindmicemegmall.com and I don't know where else it you know might be available. Okay, actually we were talking about that before we started this afternoon. Okay, thank you. All right. That's all we've got. All right, well very good. Um, thank you very much again for having me and it's been a joy and uh, I, I wish you well with the uh, the rest of the convention and uh, I listened in uh, to a couple of the uh, uh, on the panel before uh, before I came on very very interesting uh, information for for everyone and again I hope to see some of you down here at SciViz next year well again thank you very much and if you hang around you can exercise a little bit <laughs> <laughs> all right well probably need it <laughs> so you know and, and i'm sure the people are wondering what in the world does you know this this writer and all that have to do with a healthy you know because our, our theme convention is vision for a healthier tomorrow but you know we all need to relax sometimes and, and read books and so we thank you Thank you very uh, much. For, for, You'll get plenty of exercise if you come down here and go to space camp. There's adult space camp too, by the way. And, um, and, and we will, you know, we, we, regardless of what physical condition that you are or anything else, we, we want to get as many people uh, down here and go through this wonderful program. So, um, so please come down and see us. Okay, great. Thank you very much. All right. You're welcome. But, okay. Let's do a couple of door prizes, Glenn. Okay. Pick a number between 1 and 73. Random number between 1 and 73 is 40. Number 40, 40. 40. Uh, Number 40, oh my word, is Frank McGee. And he is going to get a $25 Amazon gift card that was donated from one of our... Sorry, Colton, I didn't notice your hand was raised again. <laughs> or maybe it was never lowered. Okay. Um, anyway, Frank, the, the $25 Amazon gift card was donated by Conrad Bennett, one of our board members. Uh, so I imagine Frank will happily spend that. Okay. Hold on, uh, Glenn. I'm writing it just so. I, okay. okay. Let's do another one, Glenn. Pick a number between 1 and 73. Random number between one and seventy-three is fifty-one. Number fifty-one, 51. five-one. Yeah. Okay. Number fifty-one is Jesse Rayall. Okay, Yay, Jesse! Um, Jesse, I I hope you like coffee. <laughs> well, it's a a fifteen-dollar Starbucks uh, gift card. Um, Starbucks has other things though, other than coffee. Um, and just so people know that the these, mocha is good. These um, door prizes 
have been donated. This one was donated by Carol McGee. They've been donated by various Mountain State Council members and friends in some cases. Um, and they will be mailed to you by the person who donated them. And so allow, you know, for a, a few days till they get the, you know, your contact information and all that kind of thing. So uh, don't Monday morning call me and say, where's my, you know, whatever gift card. <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, we're a little bit ahead of schedule, but I know our next presenter is here, so I am going to introduce her, and she is a very good friend of mine, and I'm so happy she is, was willing to uh, be a part of our convention. So our next speaker, and many of you out there are familiar with Leslie Spoon, um, she is a certified aerobics instructor and a certified personal trainer. Uh, she owned her own gym for five years and taught at several gyms around the Orlando area before owning her own gym. Uh, she has done classes at the ACB conference and convention over the past several years. And she is also actually doing yoga on the ACB community calls since March of this year. And she's going to talk about a new class on the community calls that she started as well. So, Leslie, once again, thank you so much for joining us. And hopefully you can really get to West Virginia sometime. But we thank you for at least joining us on Zoom. Thank you, Donna, for having a, having me. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can hear you great. Good, good. So thank you so much. You, um, this means a lot to me. Um, it's just a, a, an honor to be with you guys today on your convention. Um, I, I hope to get to West Virginia sometime myself. I, um, I think I was uh, there when I was two that it was told, but I don't remember that. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm way in, you know, above that now. So I'm not going to tell my age either, like, like the previous nutrition lady, <laughs> which was really good. So um, again, thanks, Donna. I really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, I am doing a new community call um, and it's called Resistance 101. So it's, it's really fun. It's um, with some weights and bands, resistance bands and some weights, three pounds or five pounds, you know, whatever you can you can do and you have at your house and if you don't have weights it's also soup cans or milk containers or water bottles whatever you have you know you can just kind of um do the act do the resistance with um because as as we age we lose you know our bone mass and density so it's really good to to do some resistance and that's on thursdays at three thirty in the afternoon eastern time so um i hope you guys join me it's, it has just started. We've only done uh, two classes so far. So um, it's been a lot of fun doing that. I'm also doing the, the yoga calls um, on Mondays and Wednesdays. Now we have split those up now. So we're doing an easy chair yoga on Mondays at four. They're both at four. And the easy chair is um, just in the chair, like it says. And it's just really, really, you know, poses in the chair. They're modified so that anybody can do them. Um, and then Wednesdays is full flexibility. So we're on the floor and we're also standing. So it's a little more advanced. Um, like you said, Donna, we've been doing those since March um, when COVID happened. And, you know, like everybody has said, and your theme, you know, is all about wellness and health, which 
you and I love because we always work at, work out together at conventions yeah. and and I missed that this year. Oh, I missed working out with you, my friend. Um, <laughs> you know, we love to get up early and go work out, and then we then we kind of tell everybody, you know, we missed you in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, yeah, right. So, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's in our blood. We love it. Um, so those are really good, you know, the yoga. So it's, it's, it's good. Um, you know, blind and visually impaired folks, you know, are, some of us are sedentary and it's hard to get to the gym, especially with COVID right now, you know, um, so you know, it's, it's, you can do anything. Even if you're a sedentary person, you can just get up and start marching. Marching in place is a wonderful, wonderful first um, step. You know, it's, um, you don't have to do much. Just, just start marching your feet, you know, or walking around your house or even just walk to the mailbox. And now you're saying, well, these are really easy things, Leslie, you know, and I said, yes, they are. But, you know, um, I have to have to kind of kind of you know give a little dig into my husband Dan here. <laughs> uh, he's not a big workout person, but you know he really, really, we really, really love to go to the Keys. So in the Keys, he will work out great. It's like, all right, you're working out, yay! So then when we come home, he's like, I'm too busy. I've got this. I've got that. But you know, I'm really proud of him. He's stuck with it. So he's still walking and we go on walks and then he'll go on the elliptical. So, you know, once you start, you know, try and keep it up. And, and a lot of people start and stop, you know, so that's what's hard right now is you start and then you stop. And then, of course, you know, we're saying, well, we can't go to a gym or you can't have a buddy. Well, you can do it virtually. Um, Donna and I have gotten together and said, hey, Donna, let's, let's do a little workout. Let's walk on the treadmill together. You know, so then we're virtually together or we're on the phone. Um, my friends that come over to my house, they have not been able to come over. I have um, from my gym, I have about 10 ladies that I still train and teach um, for free because they're now, you know, they're older and they're, they still want to move. We want to keep everybody moving. That's my thing. We're supposed to get up and move. So, <laughs> um, so they come over and we go to the pool. So, you know, um, and it's, it's just a wonderful thing just to keep moving, just to keep going. Um, like I said, if you, you know, just the easy things, go in the pool, um, you know, virtually get with a buddy, you know. Um, and if you say, well, gosh, I just don't, I just can't do it. I just, you know, call somebody up and say, hey, could we get together on the phone or Zoom and do a class or do a little marching or do a little dancing or, you know, do some weights. I think that's what the community calls have been wonderfully, you know, Cindy Hollis that has put the community calls together has done such a wonderful job with, um, you know, not just exercise, but all sorts of things, you know, it's just, if you want it, go on that list. I mean, it's there, you know, you can be on the phone day and night. I'm sorry. Leslie, can I interrupt? I mean, this is Donna. I don't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to share a a situation. um, Well, a really neat thing. Um, one of the ladies that I met on one of the community calls, um, she's from Minnesota. And so she, she contacted me and she said, could we, you know, work out virtually? And I'm like, 
well, how are we going to do that? And anyway, so last <laughs> week was our first time that we did. We were both on a stationary bike in our respective basements. Um, now, we just used our phone, and, and it worked. But it, but this week on Monday morning, we're going to try Zoom mm-hmm. um, to see if that'll work better. And then, you know, I'd like if, – if that works real good, I'd like to invite other people to, you know, whether you're on a treadmill or whatever. But my word, 45 minutes flew by. Oh, yeah. And we just pedaled and talked. Well, well, just like you and I do in conventions. Yeah. I mean, we're there. We're there thirty minutes because we've got to go do other things. But right. I think you and I could be there probably a solid out. You know, more oh, than oh, that. easily, easily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're talking and we're sweating and we're like, oh my gosh! And you're like, and you have your little timer going because you're the techie person, not me. And uh, <laughs> and you're like, it's time to go. And I'm like really? It's time to go. And I'm like, but just one more thing, Donna, you know, I'm always yeah. like telling Donna, I got to fix, get my abdominals in. I got to do a few crunches, you know, a few, few core exercises. And she's like, Leslie, it's time to go. It's oh. time to go. And I'm like, okay. So yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's what I'm saying. So you can virtually get together, call somebody if it's, you know, we're not all techie people and that's fine. You know, call somebody on the phone and say, Hey, do you want to be on the treadmill and we'll, you know, you, you're on my, your treadmill and I'm on mine. And, and you just do that. Um, when my ladies and I could not get together when my pool was closed, we did that also. We, we talked every Monday morning and I was on the treadmill and they were on their bikes or we'd, or they'd be walking out in the neighborhood and I'd walk in my neighborhood. So um, we were still together. So, you know, COVID is kind of, kind of hurt people, but it's kind of brought people together. So it's, it's a, it's got its pros and cons, you know, like everything in life. So um, I would like to do a few little things, so Donna, if that's okay. Oh, with, please. Yes. Okay. So so I'd just like to take a few, few a little bit of time. You know, I know we've been um, probably sitting and listening. So if you can stand, I, I would like for people to stand. And if you can't, just stay in your chair. But if you can stand, that would be great. And then take your feet shoulder width apart, Okay. And then you're just going to bring your arms up overhead. So you're going to inhale, bring your arms up overhead, inhale through your nose, and then exhale and bring your arms down. Now you can do this in the chair. That's perfectly fine. So bring your arms up overhead, inhale through the nose, and then exhale through the mouth. Good. And then inhale, bring your arms up overhead, and then exhale and bring them down. Good. And inhale, bring your arms up. And then exhale and bring them down. And now we're just going to do some shoulder rolls. So you're going to bring your shoulders up towards your ears like you're mad. So you're shrugging them. And then you're going to roll them back and down. So bring your shoulders up like you're mad. Inhale, exhale, roll them back and down. And you want to keep your core tight, which is your abdominals. Bring your shoulders up towards your ears. Roll them back and down. We're going to go one more. Bring your shoulders up towards your ears. Roll them back and down. Good. Now, you guys have been at the computer probably a long time, so you're going to take your right ear to your right shoulder. Good. And just feel that nice stretch down the back of the neck. We're on our computer a lot right now because we're doing a lot of Zoom calls, chatting with everybody, keeping in touch. So this is a great neck stretch. So breathe in through your nose. And as you exhale, drop your chin towards your chest and look at your foot. And you feel the stretch go down the back of the neck, further into the back and the shoulder blades. Good, and breathe in. And as you exhale, take your right ear to your right shoulder again. 
Good. Seated or standing, whichever works for you. Good. Inhale. And exhale back to the center. Good. Now take your left ear to your left shoulder and breathe in. So now feel a nice stretch down the right side of the neck. So keeping your shoulders away from your ears so you're not mad. Nobody's mad. <laughs> Good. Breathe in. And as you exhale, drop your chin in towards your chest and look at your shoe or foot. If you don't have any shoes on, I know we're all home. So breathe in. And as you exhale, take your left ear to your left shoulder again. Good. And exhale back to the center. Good. We're going to inhale up. Bring your arms together. Bring your hands together. Bring your fingertips together. So your arms are completely straight and they're right at your ears. So each arm is at your ear. Okay. And then you're going to inhale, lean to the right. Now, if you guys do yoga with me on the community calls, this is my favorite move. It's called the windshield wipers. So you're going to exhale to the center and then you inhale to the left. I live in Orlando, Florida, so it rains a lot here. Exhale center. Inhale to the right. Keep your arms completely straight and exhale center. You can do this seated. Inhale to the left and exhale center. So you're working. I like to call them our love handles, which is our waist. The correct term is your obliques. So if you don't learn anything today, you learned what your waist is. Exhale to the center. Good. Inhale to the left. And exhale to the center. And one more. Inhale to the left. And exhale to the center. Good. All we're going to do is take your hands apart. Act like you have a ball in your hands. And you're just going to twist to the right. And then back to the center. So now you're working your back and your waist. So inhale to the left. Through the nose. And exhale to the center. Inhale to the right. And exhale to the center. Inhale to the left. And exhale center. Maybe you can do this seated. Inhale to the right. If you're seated, don't sit back in your chair, though. You're not. This is not comfy time. Inhale to the left. Exhale to the center. And we're going to do one more each side. Inhale to the right. And exhale center. And inhale to the left. And exhale center. Good job. All right, if you're standing, take a seat. And if you're seated, stay there. So that's just a little bit of um, stuff that I do on the community calls when we do the chair or the stand or, you know, both yogas. Um, so I wanted to just kind of get you guys going and moving. Um, you know, exercise is near and dear to my heart. It's, it's a very wonderful passion that I have. I've, I've been an instructor over 20 years. Um, it was a hard thing for me to do. And I got my certifications I had low vision then and um, took the certifications. I know, I, I believe Dan has kind of told a little bit of the story in probably some of his speeches, but it took me three times to get to take the test and get it, you know, get certified. Um, first couple of times, it wasn't accessible to me. Um, so then the third time I took it, um, I actually had to go to Vero Beach, which is another place in Florida. So it wasn't, it was not offered in Orlando for me. Um, and accessible format with, with somebody reading it and giving me more time. So I went to Vero Beach. Um, they gave me two, an extra two hours to take the test, have somebody read me the test. And I finally passed, which was exciting. So then my next journey was I started teaching at, at some gyms, but I only got to teach for, Donna, this is amazing, for like a little bit of a segment. I got to teach maybe one resistance thing. So like maybe lifting a bicep curl 
you know, so because of my vision and the liability. So I would teach that. And then after that, my instructor would, would um, tell me and teach me and uh, what I had done wrong and what I needed to learn. So, you know, we, we go through things in life and it makes us stronger. I believe Um, I talk about this every time now, you know, it's, it's, it's the tenacity that blind and visually impaired folks have is amazing. Um, I was featured in fitness magazine in 1999 um, as being a, a visually impaired instructor, aerobic instructor. They had never heard of that. You know, when I wanted to go for it, they were like, huh? You know, so um, don't, if you have dreams in life, don't tell yourself you can't do them. You know, anybody can do them. Exercise is wonderful. It's great. It's, it's, it's just exhilarating. Isn't it, Donna? I mean, it is for me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I, I know people think it's crazy. You know, I get up every morning and I have, so just to put it in perspective for you guys, I have two treadmills, two ellipticals and an exercise bike in my dining room. So that came from my own gym that I had. Um, I also had six cycling bikes and I also had four big machines that you would work out on. I don't have those anymore. Um, we sold all those, but now we're in the pool. My ladies are now in their eighties with me that, that still come and, and do exercise with me. So, you know, if you love exercise, you love it. You know, you get up and you go, I want to go exercise. It's in your blood. Now, if it's not, that's okay. You know, you, you can still walk. You can still go out and, and run if you want to run. Um, you know, take a bike ride, tandem bike riding. You know, anything you want to do, you can, you can do. Um, just get up and move. And you don't have to do it long. You know, everybody says, oh, my gosh, I got to work out for an hour. No, you know, Dan and I go on many walks throughout the day just to just to get moving, you know. Um, So it's just what you feel like doing. If it's if it's just marching in place, that's great. You're moving. If it's walking to that mailbox, you're still moving. Maybe it's walking to two houses. You're still moving. You know, it, many people are not going to be on a treadmill like Donna and I or swim mini laps or, you know, <laughs> but you're still moving. And that's the main thing. And, and once you start moving, you're going to be like, I really like this. It's great. You know, and, and you might move up. You might say, okay, I'm going to do it Mondays and Wednesdays. And I'm going to call my virtual friend Donna and say, let's get on the bike together. You know, our or get your mate going and say, let's go for our walk, you know, so. Um, we have a raised hand. Okay, mostly. great. Yes. Let's do it. All right. Oh. Um, we have, so Fran, you can unmute. Hi, Leslie. Um, Hi, Fran. Hey, I have a question. Um, I was thinking about joining your, your thing on Thursdays. Um, I, I get this muscle sort of thing in my back every now and then, and Sometimes it's overexertion occurs for no reason, and I'm going. I wonder if Leslie would have an exercise that would help that that pain. That that sometimes the pain is so bad it's nauseating, and I'm thinking, what can I do to strengthen that muscle or that whatever that is that would make that stop hurting? 
and, and it's in your back. Is that what you it's said? In my back is right below my left shoulder blade. Have you have you gone to the doctor for it I've first of it, all? I, I, yeah, I have, and they X-rayed it. They can't find anything. Okay. And I mean, he, he's actually given me um, pain medication for it, which it helps, but I don't like to have to take that. And I, you know, it it's just not something that I want to be leaning on. I want to be. I'm thinking if there's something I can do to make it. You know, to build that core, whatever, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I would say, yeah, call me. Call me and we can chat more. Okay. Um, And then, yes, um, try the resistance class. It's at 3.30 on Thursdays. So it's a little earlier. So it's 3.30 Eastern on Thursdays. Right. Try yeah, that. I wouldn't yeah. do too heavy a weight. And um, if you have a resistance band, you could try the band. I, I don't have the bands, but. Okay. Uh, you yeah. can do it with nothing. That's fine. And just call me and we can chat more. Okay. All right. Can I get your number, Donna? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Agnes. Well, hey, Leslie, this was a great presentation. Thank you. um, Here in, I live in Greeley, Colorado, and our Weld County Area Agency on Aging tries to offer different classes. And one of the classes that I took that they offered was a matter of balance. So we talked about everything related to balance, how to prevent it, how to prevent falls. We had a manual and we also did have an exercise component. And right now with COVID, um, they've done some Zoom classes, but I don't I don't think they've done, you know, they've done that one and they offer some others too. And I just can't remember now what they are that are exercise related. Okay. Um, well, come try mine and see, you know, I'd love to have you. We do the yoga Monday, Wednesday, and the resistance is new. It's on Thursdays. So. Well, thank you. I'll yeah. Have to balance wait balance I'm, is very important though. Yes. We I fall a lot. Because I'm recuperating from a fracture in my shoulder. So. Oh, yeah. I'm, you I'm need to still, wait. <laughs> yes. I'm doing therapy for that and that's challenging enough right now. Yeah. Keep up your PT. When you're when you're well, come see me. I will. I will. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um. A couple of weeks ago, the Achilles International Group did a, a a workout, and I was only able to do part of it. But the gentleman, and he's uh, blind too. But he, um, who was leading it, instead of he didn't have weights right there, and I would say he didn't have them intentionally. I I feel sure he has uh-huh. them, but I think his point was you can use other things. And so um, for the exercises we were doing, he actually used a backpack that had stuff in it. Um, and so that's what he used. And, and because we were doing stuff with, with two hands, you know. Right. Yeah. And so, so That's interesting. The, yeah. it, it was. Actually, if I would have had one right there, I, I would have used it. I did have some hand weights. Mm-hmm. And that's what I used, you know, for what we were doing. But, um, but as, you know, his point was you don't have to have, you know. No, you don't have to have weights. I had a lady, the first first resistance class we did, um, she'd used peanut butter. We just told her not to eat it, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> but she had the peanut butter jars. And then she said, and then somebody else had uh, water bottles. And we said, don't drink yet, you know, unless you get real sweaty. But, you know, you can use anything pretty much. Yeah. Um, anything will work, you know, if you don't have the weights or the resistance bands. And Is- that's 
Is that class an hour? Oh, yes. That, that uh-huh. Yes. Okay. 3.30 to 4.30. Yeah. Yes. I, I've always, I don't know, somehow gotten assigned to host a call at three. And so I haven't. So to- you, you need to get assigned to host that one and then you can do it. I'd like to. They never, they never assign me yours. Oh. Um, I had a question. I, I, well, I, sometimes I, I'm not as motivated as others. I'm, I'm real good about swimming and doing cardio. Uh, I'm not so good at the more flexibility type thing, the stretching and, and some of the core stuff. Um, but I, I'd like to get a, a yoga mat or, or some kind of something because I have done like crunches and stuff on the floor. And uh, let me tell you, it's not a pleasant thing after mm-hmm. a while um, to do that just on the carpet or whatever. And it's funny you say this because we were just talking about yoga mats on Wednesday. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you can get yoga mats anywhere. You can go on Amazon. You can, If you can get out, you can go to Target, Ross, anywhere. Oh, man, I was at Target the other day and yeah. I had a gift card and I didn't even think about yeah, it. Yeah, they have yoga mats. They have a lot of the exercise okay. equipment at, at Target. You okay. can also get um, – one of the ladies that's on the, that was on the call Wednesday said her yoga mat is really thick. And she likes that. So it just depends on how, what thickness you want. Um, mine are not real thick, but I have like, I, I'll double them up to make them more, you know, make them thicker. So, yeah. um, it, you know, so just kind of look at the thickness or feel it, you know, on Amazon, you're not going to be able to feel it as much. So that's why I kind of like to go if you can go to the stores. But, right. But if not, Amazon sells them, you know, so, yeah. Do we have any other raised hands, Katie? I do not see any unless someone on the panel has a raised hand. Um, oh, there's Musi. Oh, yes. She keeps me- yeah, if you want to raise your hand. Um, yeah, Musi. There we go. Now, yeah, just yes. wait, Musi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got you. All right. We are going to let you talk. All right, so Musi, you can speak. She might need to unmute. Once you unmute here. Yeah. So I'm telling you, we're trying to get Katie to come in the gym with us. I need an accountability partner for sure. That's my issue. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. I mean, the fact is <laughs> I'm just not a good motivator. So <laughs> want to hear me now? Oh, get, yes. a little, get a little closer. Okay. Uh, Leslie Spoon, I'm so excited to talk to you. When is your old lady flexibility class? <laughs> You're 80. Uh, well, you need to live, move to Florida and be in the pool with me. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday here. At, I at, thought it was virtual. You no, me? my pool's not virtual. Um, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but come to yoga. Oh, yoga's, I do. I'm she there. does. Yeah. That's okay. Good. <laughs> yoga. Thank I thought you. you did. I thought you did. Good. I'm glad you're there with me. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to try the resistance thing if I can um, corral a partner. Because I'm not motivated unless I have, like, not competition, but some sort of uh, monitor. You know what I mean? Like, so so you, you want to come to resistance, but you you don't have somebody pushing you to come to resistance? That's sort of true. Yes, right. So you want me to tell you you need to come to you need to come to resistance on Thursday. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you for the speech. I'll do it. I'll be there. If you're not, we're going to talk about you. Okay. <laughs> I hope to hear you on Thursday. Okay, let me try to unmute. I can get you. You don't have to do anything. Just sit tight. <laughs> 
So, so Leslie, do you do you get to use your pool all winter? Um, yeah, it's it. Well, kind of. We kind of stop in November. It gets cold, so it's it's outside. So it's not and it's not heated. But um, oh yeah, yeah. So then we go to walking. We do walking with our and we get the weights out and the resistance bands. So okay. Um, yeah, and the balls, the resistance balls, and we have all the toys. So I tell you, it's it's it takes a, a carload just to get me down to the pool. We have um, resistance weights, which are the buoys. We also have the weights for your ankles. We also have the, the noodles. And then we also have um, these dumbbells. They're not really dumbbells, but they're bars with the buoys on each side. So it takes a, it takes about two cars to get us down to the pool. <laughs> and so, yeah, they're sad when it ends. But then we go to walking. So, well, Leslie, thank you so much for thank you, Donna, for having and- me. And and what a wonderful convention. So keep thank up the you. great work. All right, thank you very much. And I'll Bye, talk to you sometime. Okay. Bye, Leslie. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, just moving right on. Our next speaker is here. So we are going to hear some very valuable information from Maggie Felton. I almost said her name wrong, but I got it. Um, Maggie is a nurse educator with Vanda Pharmaceuticals uh, with focus on rare diseases such as non-24 circadian rhythm disorder. Um, through, excuse me, through the patient outreach program, uh, Maggie provides partnership and education to various organizations and local chapter groups. Uh, Maggie Felton graduated from Old Dominion University as a family nurse practitioner, uh, graduating summa cum laude. Uh, prior to working with Vanda. Maggie has worked for 15 years managing patients with um, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and metabolic disorders in various settings such as intensive care units, the CCU, and the PACU. Um, Maggie is a member of the Sigma, oh dear, Theta Tau um, <laughs> International Honor Society and American Association of Nurse Practitioners. Okay, so Maggie, you are on. I am. I can you hear me. Okay. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. I very much appreciate it. And thank you for that wonderful intro. I am so excited to be here and share some information with you. Um, As I said, my name is Maggie. I am a nurse practitioner. I love to share with you something I'm very passionate. As a a nurse, um, I always love to talk about improving uh, wellness, improving, you know, just... uh, 
being uh, the holistic part of you. Um, and so sleep is really an, an integral part of well-being. So talking about sleep, talking about sleep disorders is very important, especially in our community. And so uh, I'm going to just share with you some uh, background on a condition, non-24 sleep disorder, circadian rhythm disorder, um, a very important uh, disorder that affects many individuals who are totally blind, but not only totally blind individuals. So the, it affects many individuals who are also um, have various vision laws. Uh, even sighted individuals can be affected by this, but it's very prevalent in those who are totally blind. Um, in fact, up to 70% of those who are totally blind. Um, couple things um, about the sleep disorder. It has number of different names, circadian rhythm disorder, hypernocturnal. So if you ever come across this information, non-24 is what we just simply call it. And it relates to not being able to have a 24-hour clock like the rest of the um, individuals who are not affected by it. So not having that 24-hour clock couple important factors about non-24. Number one, it is a serious chronic condition. So if you have it, you're affected by it for life. It's not like the flu where it comes and goes. Um, if you have it, it's there to stay. Uh, second, it has it's a various degrees. So some of you have had this maybe truly have very strong symptoms. You know you've got this. But there are some individuals who have mild symptoms. You may have some symptoms here and there. You may think about it sometimes. Do I have it? Do I not have it? Well, it's important to uh, find out more if, if you're not so sure. Um, number one symptom, uh, nighttime sleep impairment. So, and I don't mean that you're just not being able you know, have you having a hard time sleeping at nighttime. Those who have it will tell you not only they can't sleep, they can't fall asleep or sleep at all. They find themselves so active. They're doing laundry, they're doing cleaning, they're paying the bills, they're emptying out a dishwasher, they're maybe vacuuming, they're doing all sorts of things at midnight, okay? And the reason is because we are naturally, your body is spitting out, you're awake Hormone. I'm sure all of us have heard of cortisol. Cortisol is an alert, active, awake hormone. When you have non-24, your body is confused and is spitting out your awake hormone at nighttime, okay? And so you can lay there. You can try to close your eyes. Your mind will wander all over the place because your mind is being active. It's stimulated by cortisol. Your muscles are trying to be active. They're stimulated by cortisol. So you can try to go to bed at the same time. You can try to put yourself on the schedule, your body doesn't care. Your body wants to stay awake. So keep that in mind. The same token, difficulty staying awake during the day. Um, so you're so sleepy during the day, not just from being awake all night, okay, but this really strong urgency to sleep no matter what to the point where it really affects your life. Third very important uh, aspect of this is that it has this cyclical pattern. What I mean is, those who have it will tell you, 
Um, the sleep is a roller coaster. It's all over the place. Okay, it's very different from insomnia, or very different from sleep apnea, very different from narcolepsy. So all those disorders have similar symptoms. That's the challenge for everyone. That is the challenge for practitioners. What what is happening to you? What is causing you not being able to sleep? Is it non-24? Is it insomnia? Is it sleep apnea? All those are sort of very similar symptoms. So it's very important to know the differences between those two. And for for lim- we have limited of time, so I'll, I'll try to kind of summarize some of that. But, you know, insomnia, very predictable sleep pattern, usually have a difficult going to sleep around the same time in the night. And it could be from stress, could be from anxiety, could be from medication, lots of things, okay? Different from sleep apnea. If you have sleep apnea, you're snoring, okay? Uh, But non-24, it just feels like it comes and goes. Sometimes it may be okay. Sometimes you're sleepy at 3 a.m. Sometimes you're sleepy in 3 afternoon. So it's all over the place. Very different. And the reason is all this is being controlled by our master body clock. Okay, this body clock dictates when these hormones get released. Okay, you all heard of melatonin. It is your sleepy hormone. Typically, we want to release it in the evening, okay? We actually make it as sun goes down, but we only make it for a few hours. It's not designed to keep you asleep all night. It's only designed to help you fall asleep, okay? But when you have non-24, your body is confused when it's supposed to release these hormones. So it is spitting out cortisol when you're trying to sleep, it is spitting out melatonin when you're going to work, when you're going to school, various times of the day. So it's very, very hard to manage, okay? Um, um, also, um, this all this is controlled by this master body clock, and we all have it. And we all get, re- we all want to be on this 24-hour cycle to keep us healthy, keep us on a schedule. That's what our bodies are designed to do, okay? It uses environment, uses the air, the sun, you know, the noise, the smell of the coffee, our schedule, it, all those are triggers to keep us healthy, to keep our clock healthy on the schedule. But unfortunately, those who have non-24, the clock is broken. It does not recognize those symptoms, okay? It doesn't recognize those triggers. Um, And it all stems through our eyes. Our eyes have special cells that can detect this light every single day, okay? And this light every single day keeps us on the schedule. And this light determines, you know, tells our brain when to put out the cortisol, when to put out the melatonin. So that's how it happens with individuals who do not have light perception, who are totally blind. They do not get this uh, signal of light. They do not get this message to the brain saying, hey, it's a new day. Let's reset to 24 hours. So what happens as a result, our clocks are all over the place, but we all have a different clock. We all have a clock that's 24 hours and 30 minutes or 10 minutes or 15 but, but our, our nature designed to keep us at exactly 24 hours. So if your clock doesn't reset every single day, it's just running free all over the place. And as a result, your body is putting out hormones at different times of the day and unfortunately keeps you awake and keep you sleepy at different times of the day. 
So I encourage everyone, if you have sleep issues, um, if you're totally blind, if you have sleep issues, it's a high suspicion for 924. But for everyone else, you know, uh, it, keep in mind, this is not exclusive to totally blind. Anyone can be affected by this. It's just the message of how it gets there is a little bit different. So everyone, if you have sleep issues, keep a diary. Keep a diary. When are you sleepy? When are you awake? Um, you know, when are you active? You know, what are you doing? Are you, you know, to, to help you fall asleep? Keep this diary. Take it to a doctor. Have them. There are no great tests for these sleep issues, there aren't sleep disorders. There's no tests, blood tests, or any good diagnostic test that tells you whether you have insomnia, whether you have non-24 or anything else. We really don't have good tests. So doctors are really have to rely on you, what you tell them, what you're feeling. And many of them have never even heard of non-24. So it is your, unfortunately, falls on you to explain to them or tell them, doctor, look up non-24. I am totally blind or I am partially blind. Consider this as my disorder because it's a rare disorder. Um, and most doctors never may never even encounter anyone who have non-24 because they don't treat that typically. They typically just treat, you know, everything that they see in a, in a normal practice. So um, consider that um, as your talking with your friends or family or others who may have sleep issues, consider doctors may not be aware of it, consider the um, diary, um, and please, please, please share this information with others. Um, and so um, anyone's affected by it, men, women equally, you typically notice symptoms right after you lose your vision. Um, and so uh, important I want to stress, if you'd like more information, please, please, please reach out to me. I'd like to share more. I'd like to hear from you. Um, and so uh, I'd like to give you information if you need more help, direct you to the right person. Um, this is still considered a very rare, rare disorder. So um, keep keep that in mind. And I apologize for talking fast, but I want to get out as much information as I could, as fast as, fast as I could. <laughs> Without you feeling sleepy as you're listening to this, if you heard this before. <laughs> so if you have a question or a comment and want to raise your hand to ask that or to speak, again, on your telephone, press star nine. On the PC, press alt Y. On the Mac, option Y. Or if you're using the... Um, device you'll see the raise hand button as an option um i oh. think kevin yeah <laughs> hey um i was wondering um what uh what has been probably the worst case that you you have seen with the non-24 whatever because i know um you know, i used to be able to see very very pretty uh, pretty decently and I'm uh, light. I just have light sense, you know, light perception now. And even that seems like it's starting to get, I don't know, worse. Um, but there's been times that I've been up for two, almost three days. Mm. And I'll be so, um, I'll be so tired during the day when I'm at work that I, I mean, I literally have to get up and, walk around in my office or go take a walk around my my building 
um, keep from falling asleep in my office. And then I'm like, well, you know, man, I'll, I'm going to be able to fall asleep tonight. And then, you know, I go to bed and, and I, my head starts racing and I can't, you know, that next thing I know it's morning and I'm, it, I'm going through it all over again. And mm-hmm. I've been to a doctor and, you know, I went through one of those sleep tests and they said that, uh, I was kind of on the low end of needing one of those uh, uh, CPAPs or whatever. Uh-huh. Yep. So they didn't think it was that. And, and of course, they recommended the mal- melatonin. And that, that that didn't really help me either. So, mm-hmm. I, 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 so I'm just wondering, is, is that my, what I just told you? Is that is that is that normal or just is that something you've heard before yeah unfortunately and and you're you're what you're describing and again i only just heard a tiny bit i love to hear more so i encourage you to call me afterwards but um what you've described is very classic actually um you know of somebody who may be affected by 924 and so it it can get progressive so and and the the problem is it's just not not being able – it's not just a, the sleeping alone is what, you know, and I've taken a toll on you. But then you start having some, you know, other disorders start ke- creeping in because of it. You know, you're talking about depression and anxiety and you're talking about the weight control. You know, you're talking about things like blood pressure and you're ta- – you know. So there's a whole slur of things that can follow – you know, after, you know, you start having symptoms if you're not able to control it. And so very, very important trying to figure out. And unfortunately, what happens with a lot of people, they go through several different trials of different, uh, whether medication, whether it's for insomnia or, or, or CPAP and things like that. And unfortunately, a lot, a lot of times what happens is you doctors wait and see if you respond to it. It doesn't sound to me like you have the CPAP, if it's not working, you know, the sleep studies are very difficult. Like I said, they're not great. You're, you're hooked up to electrodes. You're not at home. So they're not really great assessments. They're not great. They're not good for non-24. They're they're not going to tell you we have non-24, but they, they're really designed to assess for something like, like a sleep apnea. Um, But uh, very, you know, how people get affected by it, it just depends how severe your symptoms are and how fast they progress and what other things you may have happening along with it and as a result of it. So um, I've heard from many people, they they do the melatonin, they up the doses, then they go go through a variety of different medications um, just to see how they respond. They may respond initially and then they kind of just taper off and have no response. I've heard some people that I've heard from someone had been affected um, by it that took medication that actually did the opposite of make them sleep. You know, it actually made them more alert, but they had no memory of what they did during the day. So it's just one of those things that you really kind of stay on top of it. Um, you have to get educated yourself um, and get a good practitioner, a good doctor that will work with you um, to try to get the bottom of it. But I, call me afterwards, Kevin, um, and then um, maybe, you know, I can give you some more information offline. Okay, thank you, ma'am. Great, great question. Thank you. 
All right, Agnes, you are next. What are some options used to treat non-24 when it's determined someone has it? And if any drugs are involved, what are the side effects? Sure, that's a great question too. Um, As part of being a... um, uh, the patient outreach program, I kind of tried to stay away from really discussing the medication because my goal is really not to decide whether that's something optimal or not for anyone here um, or diagnose anyone here. But there is there is medication available. I'm sure many of you have heard of. Um, it is through Vanda Pharmaceuticals. Uh, it's something called Hetlios. Um, and if you'd like more information in terms of uh, side effects, uh, contraindication, things like that, please reach out to me afterwards. I'll be more than happy to share that with you. All right. I don't see any other hands at this time. Oh. Whoops. Oh, we do have some. <laughs> <laughs> the magical words, right? Yeah. All right. Um, so, Keisha, I believe. You can un- you are unmuted. Yes, hi. Um, so I'm, I just I guess I wasn't clear how how was the how is the condition diagnosed? Sure, that's a great question. So condition is diagnosed through most mostly on your signs and symptoms. Okay, so what you would do is you go to your clinician uh, and you tell them about. Um, what your specific symptoms are of your of sleep, um, and your doctor will use those symptoms to kind of differentiate non twenty-four from in sleep apnea, or maybe consider two, um, and try to figure out a way to differentiate between those two. Maybe do a trial run to see how you respond to certain medication. Um, but like I said, it's, it's, cha- it's a challenge out there because there are no really good tests or specific tests for any of those disorders. The, the diary is great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any, we'll try one more time. Any other questions or, or comments? I don't okay. see any. Yep. Okay. Well, Maggie, thank you so much. Um, that's that's a lot of good information, and and, and <laughs> you know, as many times as you hear it, it, it it's still. I mean, as many times as we hear it, it's amazing the number of people that we encounter who have no idea what we're talking about. So. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that because I have to be honest. As many times as, as I, you know, given this presentation, I always feel like, oh gosh, you know the. They're going to hear this information again. But honestly, you know, sometimes, you know, it's the repetitive information that that resonates with some of us. So um, and it's so important to our community to because it affects our community so deeply. So keep us healthy. So I just want to thank you for the opportunity to share and spread. So and please reach out. Anyone uh, welcome to reach out to me via phone or email. Um, I am here accessible to you. Great, great, great. Thank you very much, and, and thank you for your time. And uh, well, I'm sure people will be reaching out to you. All right, All right thank um, you. Thank you. 
Okay, we're going to move right on because I believe our next speaker is here. I believe I heard. Um, we have Jenna Reed. Um, and Jenna is the marketing director for Envision America. Um, and we specialize, meaning Envision America specializes in working with thousands of pharmacies to provide people like us uh, with free, accessible prescription labels, including talking, large print, uh, dual language, and braille. Uh, we also sell the ID Mate talking barcode scanner. Um, and then the website is www.envision, that's E N V I S I O N, America.com. So, Jenna, it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to Mountain State Council Convention and thank you. Hi, Donna. Thank you so much for having us. We're really excited to be here. Um, so our company, some of you might be familiar with it, some maybe not. Um, the word largely gets out by word of mouth. So if this is new information, we hope you'll spread it to your friends and your family or anyone you think you may need it. The gr great thing about what we do is that it's free. These accessible labels are free to patients at thousands of pharmacies throughout the United States and Canada. So we work with a lot of different companies and pharmacies such as Walmart, Costco, and thousands of others. And we have a little lookup that you can go to our website, Envision America, and you can plug in your zip code and it'll actually tell you what pharmacies near you offer this. So what's really cool about it is, you know, a lot of people have issues reading that fine print. If you have some vision or you have no vision, um, my company owner, Dave Raystrick, and his father and their family, probably about 20-plus years ago, started recognizing that there was an issue out there. Um, and they wanted to do something that would help with safety and independence. And one of the first products they had done was the ID Mate, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then they quickly recognized that there is an, also a an big issue if you're on multiple medications, you know, telling them apart. There's little tricks that you can do and things like that. I had one gentleman tell me he was putting them in different drawers in his workbench and trying to memorize it that way. But what this is, is really simple. The pharmacist puts, it's a little tag and you can kind of feel it. Usually it goes on the bottom of your bottle and the pharmacist will put that tag on that bottle for you or your package, depending on how you get it. And then we ship out for free. It's uh, called a script talk station. And it allows you to read that tag and all that information on your prescription bottle, including, you know, warnings, instructions, your pharmacy name, your doctor name, and their phone number if you need anything. But I'm going to go ahead and turn on the Script Talk station. It's about the size of an old CD um, or a portable CD player. Uh, and the great thing, too, is maybe you don't want this or maybe you travel a lot. You can also download our free app that'll do the exact same thing, and it's available for our iOS or Apple, as well as Android via Google Play. So there's no cost for that or for this. This is on loan to you for the length of your medications, however Script long you need station it. station ready. So there's a little wheel, a spinny wheel. It's either going to be on the front lip of this little device or it's going to be on the side. We have a new version that's coming out. So for that new version, it's going to be on the side of it. And then you're just going to set your 
your bottle right on the tip of it. There's some tactile bumps on the top so you can fill the top of it. And then there's three buttons on the top of it. You've got an oval button and then two arrows. And your oval button is going to be your read button. And then you've got your next and your previous, which will allow you to jump through all that information. So say you just want to confirm what the medication is. You don't have to listen to everything. You can just listen to one item and then move on. And if you like to speed up the voice, if you like to hear it quicker, you can also do that with this. So it's cool. But this is pretty simple for me. I'm, I don't have it very fast. So I'm going to hit the read button. Patient. John J. Smith medication. Amoxicillin, 250 milligram capsule. Instructions. Take one capsule three times daily. Quantity, 30 capsules. Prescription date. June 10th, 2020. Use by June 10th, 2021. Refills remaining. Zero. Prescriber. Dr. Ben Casey. Scriptability Pharmacy. To reorder this prescription. Dial. 800-555. To read prescription number. Warning. Prescription. To reorder this prescription, okay. dial. So that's the gist of it as to how it works. The app on your phone is going to be very similar. It has two types of um, buttons. It's got a quick scan as well as a longer scan. So if you hit the quick scan button, it's just going to read you the medication information. And if you hear the long, you hit the longer one, it's going to read it all out to you. And the cool thing about the phone app is... It's enabled, I think it's, I get my acronyms mixed up, so forgive me if I get it wrong. It's um, NFC, Near Field Communication, I believe it is. A lot of the new phones nowadays have that on it. And we can confirm if your phone will work for it. Um, you just hold the bottle up to either the back of the phone, near the camera, if it's an Android, or the front of the phone, near the top left, if it's an Apple, and it's gonna automatically recognize that prescription label as well, so. It's pretty awesome. I, I love it. I love working here. I've joined the company two years ago. I moved down here from the D.C. area, and I couldn't be happier. So, Jenna, can you get a little closer to your microphone? Sure. Sorry, guys. Uh, that's okay. voice, and I know it, it doesn't always carry well. So the other one I'm going to run through really, really quick for you guys is our ID made. It's our talking barcode scanner, and I'm going to go ahead and turn her on. I like to think of it as like a ray gun. Some of you might be familiar with it. Um, it fits into the palm of your hand. It's very ergonomic. Um, it's got some simple buttons on the top. So a little circle button you hold on and she'll come on for us. And of course my devices are always hers for some reason. And that's just telling you she's booting up. And the cool thing about this device is it's got more than 5 million built right onto her. And these are barcodes. Galaxy. ID mode. That's basically just telling you that she's ready to scan something. And she's got five, five, five million barcodes built into her. So she's going to recognize a ton of things right off the bat. However, if you want to expand that database, you can connect to Wi-Fi and there's an online database. If for some reason, if she doesn't recognize it, she's going to go search Walmart and Amazon for that item. 
and see if she can find it for you to tell you what it is. And she's not going to just tell you what it is. She's going to tell you the ingredients, if there's cooking instructions or anything like that on it. She's also going to tell you all of that as well. So I'll give you a quick example. And basically it runs off, think of when you're going through the grocery store and there's that laser that they run your groceries over. That's what she's built off of. So the front of her has a laser that's pretty powerful and it's real simple. You just basically wave the item or the product right in front of her and you just go around all the corners. She's going to automatically catch that barcode. It's really simple for her to do that. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. Press the power button again to power down. Press any button to cancel. Canceled. There she goes. Product Doritos tortilla chips. This is Doritos. Continued. Yes. Product package size one ounces, 28.3 gram. And it's cool ranch Doritos, guys. Sometimes she'll pronounce something a little odd, but. Product description 150 calories per package. See nutrition information for total fat content. Snack boldly. Guaranteed fresh until printed date or this snacks on us. Fritillet.com. Smart label. Scan for more food information. 1 800 352 4477. All right, I've got one more, more item. Product Bumblebee snack on the run. Skin a salad with crackers. I love my tuna. Continue. Quick lunch at work if I need a little protein boost. Package size 3.5 ounce, 100 G. Product description, no preservatives. For inquiries concerning product, include number shown on carton and can end. Visit HTTP colon slash slash. Press okay. the power button. I'm going to turn her off. It gives us some time for questions. To cancel. Um, the difference between the ID mate and the accessible prescription labels is the ID mate. There is a cost to her. Um, we try to make it as reasonable as possible, so we'll work with you on payments. We spread it out for about a year, and there's no interest on it. So that's the benefit of that one. So we try to do our best to make it affordable. The accessible prescription labels, in addition to our talking prescription label option, with which you heard, which is a script talk, we also have large print, which just... It's like a booklet form that fits on that bottle. So if you have some vision, it might help you to, to read it. And then we also have a Braille option that will just give you um, some basics, like a quick identification of what that medication is. That usually comes combined with the script talk. So if you need additional information, that's available as well. So, and as I said, we work with our, come on little darling. Press the power. Go ahead. Go Again, the power powering down. There she goes, back to sleep. So that's pretty much my spiel. We've been in the business for more than 20 years ago, um, 20 years. We're based in Palmetto, Florida. So for a girl who moved down here from D.C., I'm loving it. So I'm here if you guys have any questions. All right. So our first question, um, I believe, is Margie. Telephone number ending in 505. Here I am. Thank you, Katie. Um, I want to say a couple of things. Um, First of all, I've worked with this company professionally and personally for many years, and I absolutely love working with them on both levels. The ID Mate now 
can does carry the Trader Joe database. It's not like they're like the ID Mates database. It's separate. It's in there. It scans for it first. But after fighting for a long time, last year we got the database in there. And for those of us that shop at Trader Joe, that's pretty exciting. Yay! Uh, we're excited. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't let up. I'm I'm like a dog on a cat or something. <laughs> we just got Sean's too that just came through. So we'll oh yay! Next um, update. So that'll be available. And then I have a question regarding the um, the script talk. I use it, and I heard you say that. Excuse me. Um, you guys label the medication or the packages, and. Um, I I gotta say, and I, I could be wrong, it may not be you guys, but I really wished that whoever's doing the training for pharmacists and stuff, mm-hmm. when it comes to certain medications such as inhalers, mm-hmm. once they're out of the box, they all look alike. The label should be on the inhaler, not on the box. Because mm-hmm. the Braille's on the box, and I'm going to be honest, none of, well, I, I venture to say most of us that use inhalers use more than one, mm-hmm. and also... um they don't put them back in the box after they take it out to use it. And so having the, at least the audible tag on the inhaler would be extremely helpful. That's but that's awesome. going to take training pharmacists. Yeah, that's awesome advice. So what I'm doing is I'm making a note. And then when they get set up on the pharmacy side, we usually talk them through how the software works. So we could probably mm-hmm. mention that to them there. So I'm going to talk to our tech guy who helps. And I'm Caremark, just so you know. Cool beans. Yeah. So, yeah, we've worked with them a long time. So, thank you. Awesome. Thank you for your feedback. I will jump in really quick. If you're not sure if your pharmacy offers it or you want help getting your pharmacy set up, you can give us a call at 800 890 1180 and we will talk to your pharmacy for you and we'll do our best to get them on board if they aren't already. Some Walmarts we have to talk to to help facilitate that, but all Walmarts are now offering it. I I was just going to ask you that. Is is there are there many sort of um, those little what we might call local mom pop pharmacies are are many of them on board? It, that's where I go. And oh yeah, we have hundreds. We're constantly okay. adding more on board. Okay. So yeah, we have um, one of our sales ladies is that's what she's devoted to. She talks to them all the time. Okay, you know, informs them to it. So yeah, give us a call if you know. You know, give us your, their information or better yet, let us know. We can give you brochures that you can take to them and explain why it's important. Ooh, puppy. Was there um, someone on the panel who raised their hand? I thought I might have seen that. Maybe not. Kevin? Yeah, it's me. Um, for, this is Kevin. Um, I ha- actually have both of those. I bought the, um, um, I can't remember what it's called now, but... Um, I have, I've, I've got it and I love it. And, um, uh, my question is, um, I go to CVS, the, the mail order and, um, a lot of the problems that I, I have, I, I get the labels. They're no problem. The, um, uh, um, I'm sorry. My phone keeps talking. Um, but, um, you know, your prescription dates come up, you know, you can't get a refill for 30 days or 60 days or 90 days, whatever the case may be. And your insurance won't let it go through until that time. 
Well, then, you know, when you do the mail order, um, you know, it, it takes them about two weeks before you get it in the mail. So you're basically, you, you know, two weeks without your medication. So is that something, how, what's the best recommendation to try to prevent that from, from happening? Cause you know, if I, if you do it overnight or something that just adds more and more costs to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a big issue. And that's something that we recognize. Um, unfortunately we are not available at the retail counter at CVS. We are available from through CVS Caremark. So the best solution that I can tell you right now is that if you have like a antibiotic or something, your doctor puts you on that you need immediately and it may be a one or two time refill, you could always call us. We could refer you to another, you know, pharmacy in your area that you could fill that at. And I know that's not an ideal response. I wish I knew what to tell you. Um, CVS also has an app right now. I probably shouldn't say this, but because I love you guys, I'm going to. Um, they do have a Spark Spoken RX app that they are offering. Um, it's not quite as robust, but there is an availability, and they are. I think it's up in a pilot stage right now but they are offering at some farm pharmacies that they will tag your prescriptions. So there is an option out there, but unfortunately it's not widespread yet. And we don't know how that's going to roll out. So I'm sorry. I couldn't give you a better response. Oh, that's, that, that's okay. I mean, if, like, like you said, I mean, if it's an antibiotic or something like that, I'm only going to be taking it for 10 days or 15 days. Uh, I don't really worry about a label because um, I, you know, I keep that, I'll keep that bottle somewhere else, uh, separate. Um, but I, I just, you know, like I said, it's, it's, that's the only frustrating. Cause like I said, I'll call that 800 number and they will, you know, like I said, they do the label. I mean, they do the talking and the bra label for me and, um, you know, it's great. But like I said, sometimes you end up having to wait 10 days before you, you get your medication and, uh, that's, you know, uh, one of the things they, they, they say on your medications, don't, don't stop taking your medication unless your doctor says so, mm -hmm. but you have, but you have no choice if you can't, if you don't have any. Mm -hmm. Well, so. we're in constant contact with CVS, so maybe something soon will come. I don't know. I can't speak to okay. that, but we do right. talk to their pharmacy team regularly. So. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. <clears throat> I'm back. I got kicked out or something happened. Uh -oh. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Uh, are there any other hands? There are not at this time. Well, thank you so much, Donna. I love Well, thank you, you Jenna. It was a wonderful presentation. And I have the ID mate one. I don't know which one. I have Summit, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and and so wonderful product. And thank you for giving up your Saturday afternoon to be with us. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here and help. So anytime. You guys have a great day. All right. Thank you. You too. Okay. Our next speaker is here. And his name is Matt Stewart. And at school, some people call him Mr. Matt. Um, Matt Stewart is one of the orientation and mobility therapists at the West Virginia School for the Blind, 
Um, he has been at the school for six years and he's been in special education for 10 years. Uh, so Mr. Matt is going to talk to us about canes and cane tips and I don't know what else. It's hard to tell. So Mr. Matt, thank you so much for being here and you are able to unmute and talk to us. Can, can you hear me okay? Uh, kind of get a little closer. So, uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, oh, that's real good. Yeah. Is that good? Yep. Well, as Miss Donna Brown says, I know Miss Donna Brown, even though she's entered into the retirement phase of her <laughs> time here at the Western he, School. He's jealous. Mr. Matt's jealous. I, I'm telling you, she had a smile the other day. She, I thought she had a winning Powerball ticket in her pocket. I said, <laughs> my goodness, I, I can't wait myself to reach those golden retirement arches and be able to just be free, do whatever I want to do. But uh, her, her and uh, Mr. Pinker reached out and they said, hey, Mr. Matt, do you want to do a thing on canes? And I said, hey, I do things on canes all the time with the kids. And, and I don't know if it'll be different. Hopefully it will be. They don't, you know. So one of the things they wanted me to really look at was the um, was the the AFB, the mini mall. ACB mini mall. The ACB mini mall. And uh, I, I, there were several things. I, I'm actually surprised. So uh, we use typically Ambutech canes. I mean, that's typically what I've always used. I find it to be the better. Uh, oh, I got a headset. No way. I, I got it. Uh, I uh, find it to be the better canes. We used to just, but the issue is Ambitech is a Canadian company. So when I worked in Beckley, uh, we had a hard time getting them uh, to buy things from Canada. I also use a credit union as my own personal bank, and they won't allow me to make purchases outside of the U.S. with my debit card. So I've had to use a credit card, or we used to get them from Amazon. That used to be the easiest way when I first started, Maxi Aids provided them through Amazon and you get on there and just Google uh, folding cane 58 inches whatever uh, I did in preparation for this I did that and maxi aids has gone to uh, Europa which I've never heard of them or seen them they're very similar to revolutionary revolution canes they have like a soft leather golf traditional golf grip to the grip of them uh, most of them are aluminum. Uh, the thing with that is they are all one piece. So each individual section of the shaft is all one piece of aluminum. Well, the issue with that is when you go from temperature change or something like that, the metal will swell and it'll be hard to separate. So you have to twist it or you have to use, uh, we use like a graphite, um, I can't remember, it's, it's a graphite slip powder that we put in the joints that helps out, or the kids just have to hit it on the table. You just got to hit it and give it a little bit of a dislodgement so you can twist it and pull it out. So that's the issue with those canes. I also find that I, I don't, uh, they also use a similar tip to the Revolution. Uh, you know, Revolution has uh, several tips. The main one is the teardrop tip. It, it looks, they're all slip on tips. That means they all slide onto the outside of the shaft of the cane, and they're not connected through the elastic like a hook tip would be. 
to Ambutech. Now, a Revolution used to sell an adaptive, an adapter that you could put on the end that would then convert the cane into uh, being able to use hook tips from uh, Ambutech. I, I haven't seen that anymore. I don't know if they offer it anymore. I couldn't find it. The main tips they offer is the, the teardrop. That it look, kind of looks like a pear to me. It's uh, round. It looks like a tear, the shape of a teardrop. It's round and bulbous at the bottom. And as it comes up, it comes almost to a point. But it's open and the cane goes right inside of the tip. It doesn't have a neck like the other tips. The rolling marshmallow, the marshmallow, the metal tip, which is similar to the NFB tip, those all have long necks on them. In addition to the tip, it slide on the actual uh, shaft of the cane. Um, and then I also looked at this. Uh, another thing about Maxi Aids was I was surprised they used to be a big Ambutech supporter, but they're not. And they've also got if you get on the website and you look, they they've got multiple versions of an all-terrain cane. Okay. Now I actually had I was working for rehab and they ordered one of these. I sent her a thing and I told her what to order and I showed up and he had one of these all terrain canes. So what happened was was if everybody remembers the old canes with the with the crook handles, right? They used to look like a candy cane. At the top they would bend and then go down, the old metal ones that were all one piece and they had their crook uh, handles on them. Well, the thing about the all-terrain cane was there was a series of people in Africa that had to travel in various, like, desert and bush locations. And what they decided was they said, hey, we can turn our cane upside down and use the crook almost like a sled. You know how a sled has that thing on the bottom where it goes across and then it goes up and it curves? So they started using their canes like that. They turned them around and they started using them uh, backwards. Well, then somebody, uh, they, used, they called it a, a boondabasher, and it started in Australia. They started to take a PVC pipe and bend it, and then it's, it's a uh, it's a slip-on tip, and it looks like a sled, the end of a sled. So you slide it up on the tip, and then it comes with two little metal pieces. Uh, they're those, um, use them with plumbing and things. They have the built-in uh, wire things uh, that tighten when you tighten the screw. There's two of those and you tighten it and then it works kind of like a sled. Ambutech developed, uh, it's called the Dakota disc. Uh, the guy was from Dakota. It was originally a Frisbee. He took a Frisbee and put a thing on it and then added it to the cane. And then Ambutech bought the design and they changed it and added a top to it because the snow and stuff would get in the Frisbee and it would weigh the tip down. So it's kind of like a a bowl that's been filled that has saran wrap over top of it. Kind of like a visual description. It's all one piece. It's all one big mold. And it is it it'll go back and forth, but it does flip back to its original position. So for some odd reason, Maxi's has a long list of these. They got a bunch of them in it. 42, 46. It just goes on and on and on. So I don't know if if that's been something people run into where they're like, oh, this is great. It's got, and the description of it is, it says, navigate easily at the beach in forests and parks, etc. 
Long curved nylon tip reduces snagging in grass and sand. Provides great contact with ground surfaces. Now, um, when I was in school, we did have the ability to use one of these. We went to a park and I went to Dallas out of Philadelphia and we went to a park and did it. But to have success, you needed to do, oh, we called it like the serpent technique. Um, it's like constant contact, but you keep the tip on the ground and you go, it's almost like touch and slide. So you'd move it to the right and you would hold it there for like a step, then swing your wrist back. Uh, you wouldn't swing it, you like rotate your wrist back to go to the left and you continue. So it kind of looks like a snake uh, when you're doing a snake motion. And that's what we call it. And that's the success we had with it because constant contact, it still got stuck. And with two-point touch, unless it's almost like a two-point guide slide like an NFB technique where it's barely off the ground, you miss a lot of things. Uh, and you definitely miss things that go in, you know, like holes and stuff. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, it's just logic. So... Uh, that was an issue that I found on their website. And then um, they also are selling a lot of graphite canes. Well, there's there's the three main versions of the cane, which are aluminum, which is aluminum's good. The kids like it. It gives a lot of feedback. Um, on the Ambutech canes, it's not longer. It used to be all one piece, like the Revolution, and they changed that. They've got different. Uh, joints that go in there and one thing about if anybody's bought an Ambutech cane recently one of the issues was there's an inset in the joints that they put in the cane well that doesn't the the original knot for the whole elastic is actually inside the grip of the cane at the top that's what ties the whole thing together in the loop well because they had those recessed parts in the joints you couldn't get the knot out of the cane without completely cutting off the grip and pulling it out of the top and then you got to get another grip and you got to get two-sided tape and it is super hard to get the grip back on a cane once it has been removed so they went to the clasp first which the knot is in at the top of the cane outside at the top of the elastic well the problem with the clasps were they kept breaking and they were offering a return if you emailed them, if you bought one in that time period, you could email them and say, hey, I got a cane with the clasp. It's broken. It's not working. And they would send you what looks like now to be a cowbell. I'm calling it a cowbell. And it, it's one piece, and it just pulls down, and then you can untie it. And when you tie it, you just pull it up above the knot to cover the knot. Um, so the aluminum two different pieces. Like I said, with the Revolution, it's all one piece. We went over those parts. Graphite is, it's a heavier cane. It also bends a lot. Uh, a lot some, people, some people like it. A lot of people I know, they don't like it because it bends too much. Like you hit something and it flexes and you keep going. Uh, they also, they usually typically have aluminum joints in them. And uh, uh, that seems to go, you know, okay. The, the fiberglass canes, they um, they have a tendency to break uh, really easy. Uh, they get stuck in a door or if they uh, an elevator or a car door or anything, they splinter. So if they break, they completely splinter and um, 
you got to just pitch it. You can't fix it. It's really hard. It, uh, it's really the whole thing's really gone. With the aluminums, uh, they can uh, they can really take a beating. Uh, you know, the kids get them stuck all the time. I can't tell you how many canes I've tried to rebend over my knee or my head to try to get them back in alignment. Uh, but usually, you know, they they can take a beating uh, and keep going. So those are the ones. Uh, I, I think aluminum is the best. It's just personal preference, uh, you know. Uh, different things. And then the different tips they offer, uh, uh, you know, an Ambitech are a whole lot different. Uh, let's see. They got the, um, you know, the, the roller marshmallow tip, which is the, looks like a marshmallow, but it's got ball bearings and it rolls. They've got the uh, ball tip, which looks like a ball. They're also, they're also offering a uh, high mileage ball tip where the end of it is a different plastic that's two different molds put together. So the end of it is actually supposed to be a, a harder plastic, which is supposed to last longer. Uh, but the problem I see with it is, is eventually it wears down and then it cracks. It cracks open and it falls apart. That's usually two of the fall tips. But they also offer the regular marshmallow tip that doesn't roll. They offer the uh, Dakota disc, as talked about a little bit. They offer a ceramic tip, which is supposed to last forever. I have seen a couple where the ceramic piece has actually fallen off the end of the tip. I don't know if the glue is bad or what. But some of the kids like that. It also makes a distinct noise when you're going over like detectable warning services and stuff like that, because the ceramic with the material it makes a, a very distinguishable noise. People like they also offer the metal tips. They also the uh, the jumbo roller tips, which the kids call like the spaceship tips, or uh, you know it's like a disc and it rolls. Uh, they got your traditional pencil. They started using a hook flex tip, which kind of looks like a, uh, it kind of looks like a bell too. It's wider at the bottom and then it goes up and then it plateaus and it's got a spring in it and it's supposed to flex, you know, when you hit something or something, but because of the edge, because there's no bearings in it, it doesn't roll. And because the edge is flat due to the, uh, the design of the tip, Everybody that we've tried it at school says it gets stuck more than it does anything just because the edge is flat like it is and they don't like that it doesn't roll and the flex, they don't really like the flex. Uh, and they still offer the uh, Rover freewheeling tip, which is good for individuals in wheelchairs or with walkers or different things like that. We also used it outside some. When I was in school, I didn't care much for it. I thought it was kind of, it kind of gets away from you. It rolls too well. It was my opinion of it. So, I don't know. Does anybody have any questions or uh, anything about canes and stuff? That, that's probably my greatest uh, you know, resource. Or Again, if you have a question, uh, you can raise your hand and that's star nine on your telephone, alt Y on a PC, Option Y on a Mac, or the raise hand button on your app if you're listening on an on an iPad or iPhone. We don't have any hands right now. Mr. Well, Matt, this okay, is Glenn. Go I'll um, <laughs> go ahead and ask. Um, 
I've had some revolution canes in the past. And is there a trick to getting the um, tips that slide onto the cane shaft off? Uh, that's another issue. Too. Good, good point, Glenn. That's another. Uh, that's another point. And we actually have a big vice grip that we had from the what it used to be the shop class here at the school, and we kept it. We got it upstairs in the office because you know a lot of times if you are hitting the cane against the wall and stuff like that, you're forcing it further onto the cane, and it's like super hard to get off. So we've had to use the vice grip. Pretty much put the tip in the vice grip and grab that lower section and jerk it out of there or use pliers or um, I think we even had to cut one once to get it out because it was so stuck. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I mean, I guess you could try like, we haven't tried like WD-40 or some kind of lubricant like that on the outside of it and tried to see if it would go down inside the shaft where the, the cane tip cover is over, but yeah, it does. It, it is really hard to get the tips off at times, and it, it, it requires some some other tools slash equipment. All right, Conrad, you should be unmuted. Hi. So, Matt, would you, uh, Matt Stewart, would you um, recommend, say, the hook tips because they're easier to change out? I, I recommend the hook tips, and even even if you take a uh, if you take a cane by Ambitech that has a slip-on tip, they're all hook tips essentially. What they did was they took like the very top of a tip. Uh, it's about I don't know. It's not quite an inch. It might be uh, half an inch of plastic, and then it's actually got a hook on it, and it hooks in the elastic, and it actually sits inside the cane. The problem is in the old days, uh, they don't have it so much now, but in the older canes, they had that plastic ring around the bottom of it that would help with the hook tips. Uh, the problem with the slip-on tips, once you take that plastic out, it becomes a hook cane essentially. You can just use whatever on it, but that plastic's not there. And if it's a graphite or if it's a fiberglass cane, it'll start to splinter on the bottom where that plastic's not there to protect it anymore, where that cane tip and that cane, that last section are hitting all the time, and eventually it'll just break. Uh, and then you gotta, you gotta toss it, or you either gotta disassemble the whole thing and try to find another lower section uh, of the cane. Uh, and, and to go to sections of the cane, um, I always recommend to try to use even numbers that way your elastic is going over the top of the grip. If you use an odd number, like if it's five segments or three segments or whatever, then your elastic is going to have to go around the tip end of the cane. And depending if you got a larger tip, you know, like a ball or a jumbo roller or something like that, that could be real problematic to have to get that elastic around the cane to hold it together. That's a good thing, and it's the thing about storage. We keep our canes folded, and I need to stop doing it. But we do it just for economic reasons. And then Glenn does a real good job about keeping his unfolded, and that's the best way to keep them is so the elastic's not in that stress position all the time, and it'll wear out quicker. Uh, so it's either just unfolding, stick in the corner. 
Yeah, I keep mine unfolded whenever I can. I know Miss Brown. Miss Brown wears them. She wears them out. Well, I, I mean, do. She, she, she sent a couple of canes years ago, and they had some miles on them, and they were still, it was, it was like a Toyota. They had a couple hundred thousand miles, but they were still rolling on. So, <laughs> Mr. Matt, could you describe um, some uh, tricks to uh, getting your marshmallow tip or, or roller tip to rolling again? <laughs> That's a good question too. I've got um, that's a common thing with the kids, with everybody is uh, you know you pick up hair, you'd be you'd be surprised how much hair and stuff gets inside of those tips, and clogs them up. Or if you go to the beach, or if you've been in like a clay area where there's a lot of clay, clay can build up inside of there and stuff. And I've got a multi tool, and I've got a, a set of wrenches. And what you do is you take the wrench. And you put it between the, the uh, I don't know, it's kind of like where the hook is, where it kind of flares out above the tip. You want to put it between there and the actual tip. And there's just a, uh, a little, uh, it's almost like the end of a thumb or something that goes down in there that secures itself against the ball bearings. So I do got to do this a lot with jumbo tips. Jumbo tips are really, they're the, the, the flying saucer looking uh, uh, disc tips. They're very rough on hair and stuff like that. So you got to pop it apart. Then you got to pull the hair and everything out of there. And I do use um, WD 40 or whatever and spray it down inside of the bearings uh, and let it dry. And then use I can pop it back together and it'll roll it'll roll pretty well again after that. But usually that's what does it. It's, it's, uh, it's the hair and stuff getting in between the, the ball bearings and the actual top of the or the neck of the tip. So usually that works. But sometimes water gets in them too. And, it, you know, and it takes a while to, man, to try to get it out or work it out. Well, you kind of have to work it out, I think, I don't Think you can really yeah, get they it have out. a. Uh, they got the. They've got a little metal piece that goes on top of the bearings. It's supposed to protect it, but like I said, some of them are rusted. And, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, gotta spray it, keep it going, because usually that that kills them before they actually wear down. The um, you know the kids are real bad about getting marshmallows. And then they just push them and they don't move them. And then they wear on one side. And then when they go to roll them, it'll go, hum, hum, hum. It's like having a flat tire. <laughs> then you can't roll it because it's flat on one side. It'll go, hum, 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 like that. So then I got to give them a whole new tip because they pushed it, you know, they pushed it straight and worn it down on the one side and not the other. But that, that's the common thing with the, um, the, the marshmallows, but the and the balls, they they'll roll to almost a point, like kind of like a spear, and then eventually that um, it's actually two two halves that are put together, and they've got a line in the middle of it, and eventually that that seal will just crack, and they'll just fall apart. Um, but the jumbos, it's usually hair or something that gets stuck in them, and I they just won't. I just can't get them to roll anymore. I got to throw them away. Well, I'm sure you can't 
there's there's probably really no right answer or anything because every cane traveler is different every you know every uh just your route that you're traveling is different but have you just found any particular tip to be more durable than others i mean uh, i i think or to get more mileage (laughs) i I think the ball we bought some of the high mileage ball tips and i passed them out uh this year at the beginning to the kids to see how they work but i think they work the best if you don't mind the weight and some of the kids, they've been like, well, I want an older cane. I want an older tip. Like, they they associate the jumbo and the ball with younger kids. And, they, you know, they want that pencil tip. They want that Ugh. ceramic tip. You know, I want to be – I'm old. This they don't want I, their ribs any longer. Right. They they yeah. want these big, sophisticated adult tips. And I'm like, well, if it works, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, right. But I've, I've really found the ball tip to work the best. It, it, I think it lasts the longest. It keeps rolling the longest. And I've also seen it get to the point where it literally breaks. You know, it's been used so much that it, it just falls apart. The other ones, they just, you know, like I said, the jumbo stops rolling. The marshmallow usually gets flat on one side. Uh, it, it'll also get to a spear, too, if somebody uses it correctly regularly. It's it's a good tip too, but eventually it's kind of like a cigarette. Like it burns so far to the neck, eventually there's no tip on the ground. It's kind of like holding a cigarette. You know, you can hold it only hold it so long until it burns your fingers. Well, it's the same way with that tip. It keeps uh, it keeps getting. It's like a pencil. You know, it gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter, and then it gets to the metal part, and then you ain't got no pencil left. So it's kind of like that tip. Eventually, the neck. And a little bit of the uh, the part that's left before you get there is the only thing hitting the ground. The actual uh, point of the tip is up in the air because it, it, it's not there. Any um, other? We, Go ahead. No, there are no other hands. Um, so if anyone has any last comments or questions for Matt, you can feel free to raise your hand. Let's see if history repeats itself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't see any hands. Okay. Well, Mr. Matt, thank you so much for giving up your Saturday afternoon to spend some time with us. And we certainly thank you for the service you provide to really mostly children now. And I know Mr. Matt has done some work for rehab. Are you doing any right now? Uh, I I do whenever she finds people that uh, right, you know that's been I've been surprised at the amount of people that I have seen over the years that been up here. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. so you know, mobility instructors are few and far be or mobility therapists is I guess really is that the new terminology now or something? Uh, yeah, well the thing's supposed to be certified. You know, COMS is supposed to stand for Certified Orientation Mobility Specialist. So, okay. But then there's the whole thing of, well, are you certified? Right. Did you take the ACVREP test? Did you keep up with your certification? If not, then technically, I guess you can't be called COMS. Hmm. Or COMS, yes, yeah. And then the NFB has their own, um, they're called NOMCs. They have their own uh, accreditation 
agency that they, that uh, structured discovery goes through and they have their own requirements for becoming an instructor of uh, structured discovery. So. Okay. Well, again, thank you for, for uh, giving us some cane advice. <laughs> well, thank you. If you need to get a hold of me, I'm at the school. You can call the school or whatever, and they get a hold of me or Miss Brown or Glenn or somebody. You know. Yeah, thank you, guys. And it, I listened to some of Tony Caridi, and that was pretty interesting. Oh, okay, cool. I've got my death chart. And I, uh, oh, the dear. things I can tell somebody is score and time. Score and time. <laughs> I, so I, have to, I have to remember that. So, so thank you, Ms. Brown. Thank you, everybody. And have a good rest uh, thank, of thank you. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do a couple of door prizes there, Mr. Glenn. All righty. Uh, I had to stop laughing there. <laughs> uh, oh Mr. Matt is uh, very entertaining, and uh, I laugh all the time at work uh, watching him work with the kids, and he is just truly amazing, as you can tell. So we're very, very fortunate to have him. All righty. Give us a number between 1 and 73. Pick a number between 1 and 73. <laughs> a random number between 1 and 73 is 68. Number 68. Okay, that is a late registrant. And that happens to be Christine Hunsinger from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And she is the wife of Doug Hunsinger, who streamed for us uh, Friday evening and this morning. So, and she is going to, and I feel sure she'll be able to put this to good use. She is going to receive a $25 Amazon gift card donated by one of our members, Kathy Gerhardt. So congratulations there. I call her Chris Hunsinger, but um, okay. Let's do one more. Pick a number between one and 73. A random number between one and 73 is 30. Number 3030. Okay. And that happens to be, oh, Katie Lear from Florida. Um, and Katie actually was the Florida convention chair. Uh, I, I mean, I remember her name from that. And Katie is going to win a water bottle um, that actually has, on the outside, it has Braille on it. I've never seen such a thing. And um, it's going to be filled with, oh, my favorite. I kind of really wish I would have won that. But anyway, M&Ms. And that was donated by Jesse Rail. And thank you, Jesse, oh. for donating that. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, yeah, let me just write that down here. Okay. So we'll do the rest tonight. We have, we'll do a couple at the beginning and a couple at the end. Um, so we still have a few more. We might do one more before we go off this afternoon. Um, All right. Okay. So on the ske- on the program, the last thing of this session was to talk about kind of MSCB, what's happening in MSCB, and kind of the MSCB year in review. I'm I'm gonna try to you know ex- explain things, but yet I'm you know I'm gonna kind of move on. We. We've got a good bit, but certainly please, if you have any questions, 
uh, please raise your hand, even if you're not a Mountain State Council member. That, that doesn't matter. Uh, because remember, we are a state affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, and so we're all kind of family. Um, so I'm going to kind of begin my sort of year in review. Um, and first, just to remind people, the Mountain State Council of the Blind is the West Virginia uh, state affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. And we um, were actually kind of started around 1980, around 1980, and then we kind of were inactive for a while. And, and then uh, thanks to Jesse and a group from Martinsburg brought us back to life in, in uh, I don't know, 2003, 2004. So I, I can't remember. Um, but um, anyway, so here we are. Um, the first thing I'm going to talk about um, are things that kind of sort of happen throughout the year. I, I mean, like consistently um, that are sort of ongoing, you know, events. Um, so we publish a newsletter called the Rhododendron. Um, normally we publish four issues, but uh, we were only doing three this year. We kind of, well, I'm, I'm the editor and I just ran out of time <laughs> to get everything done. Um, so, but our next um, issue will be coming out here in, in a little while. The rhododendron is our state flower for those who want to know that. We normally, like I said, publish um, four issues a year and, and we encourage people to submit and you don't even have to be a member of West, of Mountain State to submit an article. Um, I'm always looking for stuff. Um, we were fortunate to hold regular board meetings. Um, generally, our policy is to hold a, a in-person board meeting uh, right at our state convention. Um, we're not in person this year, so that won't be happening. But then we hold board meetings um, every other month on a regular basis. And board meetings are open to our membership. And I've been very negligent, and I'm going to try to do better about putting that on the board meeting announcement on the membership list. Um, and so generally, we meet the second Sunday of the month. Uh, so our next actual board meeting would be on November 8th uh, to Sunday at 8.30 p.m. And we are using Zoom for our all of our board meetings, committee meetings, um, membership meetings, you know, what have you. We're, we're using Zoom. Um, let's see. So um, we do have Mountain State Council. That is one thing that we did this year. Last year in October, we got our own Zoom account. And so we, we have our own uh, Zoom account. Um, and there's a few people that, you know, have access to it. But if you are a committee chair or, you know, or you want to, you know, do a presentation or something and you need to use our account, feel free to contact me. It's not a problem. We can work it out, I'm sure. So I don't know if anybody remembers, uh, but last year we was really sort of the time that we were had our last really in person. Uh, we had our convention in Fairmont um, and uh, you heard Jeff talk about the ice cream in Fairmont and some of us went to a local I don't remember the name of it, but a, a local eatery and um, they had 
really good food too, but they also had really good ice cream and milkshakes and oh my, um, that was good. But, okay, I thought somebody was raising their hand. Um, So in Fairmont, Fairmont is a small town in West Virginia, for those who don't know, uh, near, just south of, of Morgantown. And if you were there, you probably remember the hotel wasn't maybe a five-star hotel by any means, but boy, were we treated well and were we ever fed well. My goodness, I've never been to a convention that I just didn't want to eat anymore. I, it was way, way too good and way too much. Um, so hopefully, you know, we might be able to go back there sometime. Our convention this year was supposed to be in Huntington, um, and we pretty much have an agreement with that hotel to go back there next year. Um, so we we were able to get out of our contract, and and you know, since we weren't going, and so we were, you know, fortunate to be able to to do that. Um, so if you remember at our convention last year. I mentioned that conversation was beginning uh, to take place with the Secretary of State's office about creating, um, about developing legislation for accessible absentee voting for people with disabilities. Um, So uh, in August, right before our convention, um, Claire Stanley from ACB contacted me and um, the Washington Lawyers Group worked with us and some of our members uh, worked on it, and people from other disability groups in West Virginia um, worked on this legislation. And after several months, that's pretty much how that process works. It's it's not a you know once and done meeting or anything like that. It, it's a little drawn out process. Sometimes it takes longer than others. Um, just almost for me sort of out of the blue on February 3rd, I got an email um, saying that uh, SB Senate bill 94 was passed. And that was the legislation to provide accessible absentee uh, ballots and voting uh, for. Okay. Um, And so as often is the case when legislation like that passes, it's really a quick turnaround till the bill is actually signed and there's a ceremony and, and all that kind of thing. And because that is what happened, unfortunately, none of us could get there. <laughs> you know, in West Virginia, you can't just uh, take a bus from Romney to Charleston or, and even if you can take a bus from Morgantown to Charleston, you, you need a day or so notice. <laughs> you know, we really didn't have that. Uh, so unfortunately, n- none of our members could be at the ceremony. Um, and in a l- few weeks, um, Kevin Manus is going to present um, about how to um, register for absentee voting. It may be too late for this time, but um, he's going to talk about the accessibility of it and then to actually cast your ballot and, and that kind of thing. So stay tuned for that. Um And so actually, you heard Dan Spoon last night say, you know, we kind of started the ball rolling. And that is really true. Since ours has passed, um, there are several other states who 
either have just recently gotten legislation passed or are working on it. Um, and so, you know, I've gotten several calls about how we did things. And um, But there still are some states out there who are really having some trouble working with their uh, Secretary of State's office. And, and so, you know, hopefully somehow the right person can, you know, re- uh, help them and, and get it done for them. Um, so uh, I mentioned before that we did set up our own Zoom account. Um, and so uh, fortunately, you know, if you pay by the year um, with tax, it's like $160 and a few cents. Um, so, you know, uh, our year is almost up, but we're going to renew it. Um, so, like I said, all of our committee meetings, for the most part, board meetings, everything is on, on Zoom. Um, so, but for this weekend, um, we are not actually using the Mountain State Zoom account. Uh, we're using the ACB webinar um, a- account. So, and we certainly thank ACB for letting us do that. Um, all right. October also, oh my, brought the beginning of, which is a very long process, of the reconstructing of our uh, Mountain State Council website, mscbwv.org. And it is a work in progress. Um, There have been a lot of changes made. Um, Sometime pretty soon, um, the site will be offline for a while, a a day or two or whatever, because there needs to be some major security updates and just some reconstructing that that just takes some time to to do uh so you know little changes can be made along the way but sometimes some of the major changes take a day or two to actually do um october as you all know is uh white cane day and um last year in romney uh the school for the blind uh, had a celebration and did a cane walk and that kind of thing but one of our young members Colton Sweeney and you'll hear from Colton tonight but he um, actually organized a white cane day in Beckley and where he lives and um, so which there was an article about it in in our newsletter but tonight Colton is going to talk to us about the white cane day that he's organizing for this uh, this October um so stay tuned for that. Um, so within this report, I'm going to talk about some activities by from the Potomac Valley chapter. That's one of our local chapters in Mountain State Council. We have two local chapters right now. Uh, the Potomac Valley chapter takes, uh, well, covers the um, what we call Hampshire County, which is where the School for the Blind is and, and surrounding area, and then Mineral County and Hardy County. So the, these are three counties that are pretty much in kind of a like a 45-minute travel radius, depend, well, depending on where you are in Hampshire County. <laughs> um, and so uh, the, the Vandalia chapter, which is our other chapter, that's in the Morgantown area. Um, and so I'm in the Potomac Valley chapter, and I know a lot more of what's happening there. I don't hear too much from the Vandalia chapter, so hopefully somebody's on and can maybe tell us something. So the Potomac Valley chapter, um, 
<laughs> we have an annual Christmas party, and we it was no exception last year. We had it at a local restaurant, and there weren't bunches of us there, but we did we really have fun? And and uh, a couple of years ago, I, I I'm usually one of the people kind of in charge of the games, and so I had this game where you just pass a, a gift around as I read this story, and you have to which is left and right words left and right in it. And, and you have to, it's the Mr. Right story or whatever. And you have to pass the gift that way. Well, they, they ask for it every year. So I try to find a different version of the story every year, um, but they really have a lot of fun with that. And we do, we, we have a good time with that. We have a hand. Have do you want to take written. that now? Yes. Yes, we can. Yeah. All right. So telephone number ending in eight, nine, eight. And I believe that's Regina. They, um, I, I wanted the number again about joining. How they, you know, take the money out each month out of your account. Oh, the, the and, month, um, monthly monetary support. Oh boy. Okay. And then um, I think it was seven four two. I don't have the my paper two zero two seven four two something. But anyway, I wanted to go over that. And then the newsletter is it in Braille or just um, online? Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, um, our newsletter is is uh, via email, um, and we do uh, put it on cartridge, the NLS cartridge, um, and we, uh, we don't we don't really have access to Braille to do you know multiple copies on on a regular basis. We you know we don't have like our own embossing service or you know, and our newsletter. Mm, in print, it's of course that's large print now though too. Okay, so um, it, it's not real long. It, it's I don't know uh, about sixteen pages maybe. And so for Braille, because it is large print, for Braille it might be like twenty pages or something. I, I don't know. Uh, it's not real long. Um, so, but it you know. Um, we do put it on cartridge as well. And then we do have it in large print for, but the majority of our members, um, we have email and I don't have that MMS number right here. I'd have to hunt. Okay. Well, I'll test the number that I think it is. And hopefully if not, aren't you're not able to, to do it or. Uh, I'm I'm not, no, I, I'm I'm not the. um, Okay. But the money would go to your chat, your, your, chapter though right if that's the affiliate that you would choose for it to go to right right yeah that's what i want okay yeah. wow thank you <laughs> okay um so i don't know katie do you know that that um, do you not MMS? know the number no i don't um, i was just thinking oh gosh i'm putting us on the spot um i don't know the number i see we have another hand um but yep. i do want to say too um the per- um, person can also call the acb minnesota office um, and get that taken care of there as well. So, um, Teresa. Okay, this. this is Teresa. This is Teresa, and Katie kind of answered uh, my question that uh, the lady asking about the um, MMS number could call Minnesota. But I also want to know if you are not in West Virginia, can you receive the email uh, for the rhododendron? Um. Usually, we we've only sent it to members. Okay. Um, you know, uh, uh, and and you can be a member of Mountain State Council even if you don't live in West Virginia. We we have members from other states. Of course, um, of course, I'm also a member of the. I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, but you know, I I I I would say 
you know, we if for email, I don't think it really matters. You know, there's no cost to us. It would be nothing to, to send it, you know. Sorry, somebody's calling me and I'm trying to make it be quiet. <laughs> um, right. So anyway, thank you for asking, though. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, any other uh, hands raised? I do not see any. Um, oh, yes, yeah, we do. <laughs> oh, there's another one. Okay. Yes, you know our trick, as we yeah. uh, yeah. as we said before. All right. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, they are you're popular, Donna. All right. <laughs> so the next hand I see is um, Fran. Well, Doc, we hear you. one way to get new members is to tell us how much the dues are you. Oh, I will <laughs> happily do that. <laughs> yeah. So for what we call an at-large member, the dues are um, $10. And if you join a, at one of our local chapters, then, then those dues are just $15. And what the dues includes, um, if, you, if you join a chapter, $5 of that goes to the chapter – $5 goes to the state and $5 goes to ACB. So that's where your $15 goes. For an at-large Mountain State Council member, $5 of that $10, $5 goes to Mountain State and $5 goes to ACB. Every affiliate, for those who don't know, every affiliate has to pay ACB $5 per member. So, you know, if, if we have 40 members, you know, we pay ACB $200. Okay. Kathy. Yes. Um, I just wanted to say that I have two phone numbers and two addresses for ACB. Um, I didn't know MMS had a, um, a separate number, but um, the one for Minnesota, is that a 612? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, if Regina or anybody wants that, uh, it is 612-332-3242. The MMS number came about as a result of the convention um, because the Minneapolis office was so swamped, you know, with registrations for the convention and Braille forum tickets and, you know, uh, what have you. And so I think that's... And maybe, you know, Katie can tell us more, but I think that's where the the idea came then for the MMS to have their own number. And, and that could be just solely for that. Yeah, I don't know the specifics um, behind that. I'm so. trying, Dan. It, it, okay. You're unmuted, Leslie. Okay. Hey, guys, we're trying <laughs> to we're trying to help you out. So good. We'll do. Um, okay. <laughs> Hold on one second. 202-743-0755. So Thank again, you, Dan and Leslie. So, so again, 202-743-0755. You can also do an email at askaskacbmms at gmail.com. So it's askacbmms at gmail.com. I've written everything down this time. Okay. I, I will send it to you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Hope that helps and good luck. Thank you. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> All right. And Kathy, did you have another, um, anything else or? 
No, I got more information than I gave out of that. <laughs> I wrote all that down. I'll add it to my contacts. <laughs> I didn't know that. Right. Thank you. So, and thank you, Regina. <laughs> yeah. All right. Our next hand, we have telephone number ending in 145. Oh, I think that's Karen. Here we are. One, I have um, two things. Uh, the first thing is I have to say, and I've, I'm old. I'm retirement age soon, too. <laughs> and I've attended a lot of conventions for a lot of things, and this is by far the most inspirational, informative, entertaining, the best convention that I've ever been a part of to, to listen to. I was wow. going to email all that to you, but <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> and I was thinking uh, you, your Karen. Fillmore box, the Fillmore is back up. I, and I know. You may want to put the, the uh, rhododendron in there. I, um, I, I, I will. And it was down for a while and I didn't know what was going on. Um, he um, had a computer crash and he had to send the computer for repair. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna have now. to right. I'm gonna have to have have him help me put it up there because I I tried to figure it out myself and and I'm pretty tech savvy but I anyway I wasn't getting it. <laughs> but he said he would help. Uh, us. He should be able to. Yes, he's very very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is you. the greatest convention. I wish we could repeat it again and get get the word out to more people so they could hear it. You know, just <laughs> somehow put it out there again in recorded form because. Well, it is, it is actually recorded. Everything's being recorded. And um, it will actually come down on um, a podcast from ACB. Um, and so when it's available, um, it you know, they, ha- they have to clean it up a little bit, and, you know. <laughs> um, and then it'll be available on the um, ACB uh, podcast. So when that comes out, I can let people know. All right. And Agnes... Um, I have a question. When you join an affiliate, like an interest affiliate, and you give them you know, your dues that they require, and they are supposed to send your $5 to the American Council of the Blind for your dues, how much time should that take? I mean, shouldn't that be done pretty quickly? Okay, Um let me see if I can explain this as 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 simple as, simply as I can. So what happens is um, when um, when a person pays their dues, um, and it depends on what time of the year it is. And Katie, maybe you can help me with this. <laughs> um, so ACB really collects dues. Um, pretty much twice a year, if you want to think of it that way. So in March is kind of the big time when people submit their mem- submit their main, like certify their members. Um, there's a database that we put your information in, and and an ACB sees that, and then they see how many members we have certified, and then we um, pay them, you know, that amount of money. At the beginning of May, we're allowed to submit more new members um, into that database. And then, of course, we get another bill, you know, for any new members we added. So let me give you an example. Since the ACB convention in July, um, the American Association of Blind Teachers has, and I've lost track, but I'm hoping we'll win the growth award. 
because we're working on it. Anyway, um, we, we've got double digits of new members since the ACB convention. So as soon as I you know, can, I, I put their information in the ACB database and which means they'll get the Braille forum and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I won't get billed for them, I'm the treasurer. I won't get billed for them until March, the end of March. Um, but but their information is all there and the, you know, the money is, is in our account waiting to be billed from ACB for, for all of our members. I don't know if that makes any sense and that's probably another one of those calls that we, a community events that we should have. All right. You want to, let's hear from Brenda. All right, Brenda. Yay. Um, I was talking with Christine Cook and um, we believe it would be a really great thing if when, let's say next year we go back to the new normal, whatever that is, (laughs) you can offer the convention in the format that whoever wishes to attend can and whoever wants to attend virtually could. Because even if um, you attended virtually and you still paid a small fee, five bucks, whatever, because you don't have all the other expenses, um, it would be a great way for people to attend who can't get to it. Um, plus, you would have the recorded sessions for those. I didn't hear all of today. I couldn't be here all day, but you know, I can go back and listen to it. So, I just wanted to propose the idea that maybe you think about the idea of offering in both formats, the convention, when you do go back to the face-to-face. Um, yeah, very good point. And, and I want you to also know at the ACB national level, um, that's being uh, considered or, or uh, you know, I, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, that now we've, we've kind of set a, a, you know, a standard here and, and, and we've got to figure out how to, you know, how to, work with both mm-hmm. um i don't know both situations and cert- we certainly will consider it well donna you know i made a those. note and I'll, oh you made a note okay i made okay. a note and i will you know if if i'm convention chair next year i will certainly do my best to have a both option i hope we have a new i hope we have normal back um, because it is nice, but um, it, it is, you know, th- there are times that for various reasons, people aren't able to attend or okay. whatever okay. happens. Did we have any more hands? Well, you know, we do not. So I'll, oh. I'll say our, my magic word and then. Um, well, I, I have a little bit more to, to cover here oh. okay. just Wait, quickly. Uh, we don't have a lot of time. <laughs> um, so in February, um, it was really neat. We, we hosted a, um, a call and Roxanne Clay from the state treasurer's office talked to us about the ABLE accounts. And if a person, you know, if you're not familiar with those, um, well, you know, let me know and we can maybe do another uh, call because that, that's a way for people maybe who are on a little bit lower income, um, a way for them to um, acquire and, and save some money to, to gather, you know, to get some, uh, equipment or, or whatever that would, you know, assist them. And especially for we blind people, the technology is so expensive. Um, so I don't have a whole lot of time to go into that now. I had written some things, but then at the end of February, I, I was fortunate to probably attend the, the last thing in person was the ACB leadership conference um, in Alexandria, Virginia. And, and that was where the ACB board meeting was and the, um, 
uh, ACB affiliate president's meeting, I was not able to stay for the legislative seminar or walk on, on Capitol Hill. Um, but then in March, kind of everybody, you know, welcome to our new normal world, world of COVID-19 and everything. And it really kind of really put a slam on, on the Potomac Valley chapter. We had so many events scheduled. Um, we were going to have a, a um, display at a technology show. We were going to, we already had a, a session, a, a, a presentation uh, from the, our local bus company, and we were going to work with them on extending bus hours and things like that. And um, we're hoping, we kind of put it on hold, but we're hoping to start working with our um, sheets store and, and probably the corporate level to make their um, ordering kiosks, ex- at least have one in each store accessible uh, for those of us who want to order ourselves. Um, the app is a lot better than it was. Um, we were unable to have our annual bowlathon, which is really our big fundraiser, and our annual picnic. We couldn't have. Um, so uh, quickly, I just want to quickly share with people some things that Mountain State Council kind of does on a regular basis. We talked less. We talked. I didn't even know his hand was raised. <laughs> Oops. Um, we talked last night about how Mountain State Council really you know, likes to support um, activities for young people, students and, and stuff. So every year we do um, donate $100 to the Benefits of Audio Description Education Contest, which is a, a contest that school-age students write essays. Um, and then uh, we also donate a lot to the Braille Challenge. We give each participant a memento and the first place finisher in each um, age category for our West Virginia Regional Challenge, we give them a, a Walmart gift card. Um, and we also support the Cane Quest activities. But, you know, this year, Cane Quest didn't get to happen. Braille Challenge got to happen just by the skin of its teeth, really. Um, and so our Mountain State Council, every year we donate $200 to ACB. And I don't know if people are aware, has a disaster fund. And that's for people, uh, you know, our members who've unfortunately experienced weather disasters, fires, you know, that kind of thing. And we know it happens about every year. Um, and so um, I want to, I, I have a lot here still and I'm, we're out of time and I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, I want people to um, think about joining us the second and fourth Tuesdays of every month at seven o'clock PM. It's called it's seven up time. Um, sometimes we have a specific topic. Other times we have just conversation and I'm so happy that people from out of state join us um, because I put it on the ACB community calls um, list and I want people to know that some of the programming for this convention was as a result of one of those calls. And um, there were suggestions from people who are not from West Virginia. And, you know, we really felt they were good suggestions and we were able to include them in, in our program. Um, so I, I've got more to share, but maybe come to one of our calls and you can hear more. <laughs> okay, Kevin. Hey, um, Donna, I know you asked me to do the um, the voting thing. When are when is the next um, 
your next seven up, the next seven it, up? It would be Tuesday. I don't know if you want to do it that soon or if you want to do it on the one after that, you know. Uh, the 22nd, you mean? Yeah. I've already submitted. Um, see, you have to to be on the, the list for the community calls. Like I had to submit it by Wednesday of this week. And so I think I just put that, you know, there is no specific topic. Just come and talk. And, and people from West Virginia are not short on words or something like that, I said. Well, so. I, what I can, if you, if you um, I guess we can talk later, but I can do, yeah, I can do, uh, you know, for whoever's there that night. And if you want me to uh, do the two week, couple weeks later or whatever it is, but because um, everything has to be in, I think, six days before uh, the election day. Right. Right. So we what we would want to get that out to people. Okay. So let's right. let's see if we can take these two hands real quick and we we've got to get off of here then because our streamer has to go and, and our host and, and so can we do these two real quick? Yeah. All right. So we have um eight nine eight. Okay, real quick, when do you return from dinner? When does the uh, next seven o'clock Eastern time. Okay, yep. that means four o'clock. Okay, that's all I want to know. Thank yep. you. Yep. <laughs> Okay. All right. Is there any others? I think that's it. Okay, great. Well, I really want to thank people for joining us again this afternoon. We are back at 7 o'clock, and um, we will have a sort of a banquet (laughs) where the activities that we're having are are what we normally do at our banquet. So come back tonight, uh, seven o'clock PM Eastern time, and you can hear our scholarship winner and then you'll hear from Claire again. Uh, So thank you, Katie and David and enjoy your dinner.